Hello and welcome to the TetraCast. This is RPG Site's weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. My name is Brian Vitali, and we've got the normal crew here today. Joining me, I've got George Foster. Hello, everyone. I've got Josh Torres. Hi. Adam Vitali. Hey, guys. And James Galizio. Hey, folks. I got a new mic. Yeah, we were joking that James sounds like he's like sick or has a cold or something. But no, he's uh, finally joined us in the world of not using a webcam mic. (laughs) Sorry to bully, but I can't believe that we're already in the back half of March when it comes to these podcasts. And I'm looking at like what we've done up through this year and how we're already kind of staring April in the face. Not quite next week, but the week after. But we've got a lot of new release dates that are for games coming out in May, June, July period. We've got some surprising news from the Square Enix Presents presentation from earlier in the week and a couple of details, odds and ends here and there, and we'll get into all of that. But as we always do, let's start with what we have been playing for the last seven days. And I'm looking at the list here of what people have put on our little document, and I don't know who to start with. So you all should fight amongst yourselves about who wants to share their experience first. You should just do an eeny, meeny, miny, mo situation. Outriders! Oh, <laughs> all right, Outriders. Okay. All right. Make... Uh, yeah, I've been uh, uh, playing that Outriders demo that came out a few weeks back. I finally got around to it. They've been patching up that demo to like kind of function better. Like They added in like a motion blur toggle option. Game-changing. Uh, yeah. Uh, and also just like the the cutscenes were like kind of running crummy at it from the start and whatever. So I was like, okay, this thing has finally been patched up to like maybe be like a better experience. So I kind of I went into it. I'm uh, playing the PS5 version, and you know what? It's not bad. You know, I kind of enjoy it. It's a uh, it's like a third person shooter Diablo um, with a little a little tinge of like a Borderlands setting, like wasteland style ty- type of vibe. But it's very. Um, frantic and active i really like that it encourages like not doing the gears of war uh cover shooter approach like you can certainly do that but you're you're encouraged to play actively because the it's way that health regen works in this game whatever you yeah yeah one the thing way- i'll say and i don't mean this in a negative manner it it feels very much like third person shooter like fast food yeah oh yeah, yeah. for sure and uh, like the the way that you're encouraged to um, play aggressively is because of the way health regen works. Like there's four classes in the game. You have this technomancer that uh, does like long range support can summon a turret. That's the class that I'm playing. Um, Devastator, which is the up close tank, like really uh, big on defense and uh, knocking guys out. Um, Pyro, which sets people on fire, obviously. And uh, Trickster, which is like the kind of like the, the up close melee almost assassin-esque equivalent of a uh and they all uh, function differently in terms of, like health regen like technomancer has life leech on like everything it does like from bullets fired from the turrets uh that it deploys and then i have like this little like portable missile launcher mortar missile launcher like a- every hit like does life leech meanwhile pyro i believe has a health regen where It'll uh, that class will gain health uh, depending on like which enemies die by your fire. I was, I was actually about to say which enemies are on fire. That can't be it, right? Like, oh, I guess yeah, it. yeah. So I I, th- I think they get health regen back based on, based on like how many enemies die like by fire. Um, I, 
Devastator, I know, g- gains health regen just by being near an enemy. I don't know if like that's after an enemy dies or just it's like passively health regen as long as they're near enemies. And I don't know. So basically, um, like Gears of War or a cover shooter like that. Um, remind me if I'm wrong, but you, like you, you usually gain health by just like waiting a bit and like mm-hmm. staying on, undercover. Where here you have to do something a little bit more active, like. Like hitting people with your, you know, shooting them or hitting them with fire or whatever. Well, yeah. health back. Is that right? You can still get health back by waiting around, but it's so slower that the game is very clearly designed around the active combat to kind of force yourself to. And it's only a very like uh, like a percentage of health back. Like you can passively health uh, regen health back, but only up to like maybe a, a fourth of it. So you're only like it's bracketed. Maybe, yeah, yeah. So you're not really gaining a lot out of that. So. That that's that, that's how they kind of push you. Like, hey, you gotta you gotta push up, be aggressive, play aggressively, and whatnot. And and it, this goes to like the whole opening of the game. Like, the, you have this prologue where you have, you know, these settlers out of Earth. Like, Earth is dying, so they went to another planet, and they're like, maybe this, like, you know, this is inhabitable and whatnot. And then they quickly find out, oh no, like there's this weird anomaly storm that can like, it, it's for the most part, it like kills people and some uh, for some people like it gives them superpowers and whatnot and then before like you can get make heads or tails about that you're trying to like since you're like the settlers uh, like the first like wave squad of like making sure this planet is okay to inhabit while everyone's like in orbit like this like satellite you're trying to uh tell people oh okay that's not good don't don't give like the signal to bring them down or or whatnot you have confirmed it's not and of course like there's like this asshole on the on your squad. It's like, no, you know, we're gonna do it. We're fine. We're good. So before you uh, can like tell people that's not uh, safe, you get thrown into cryo sleep uh, and whatnot because you're you're put in a position where you're you've been mortally wound, wounded. So you wake up and it's there's this big time skip, like maybe forty years later, and you wake up and it's like this thing has become like a lawless, like you know world and whatnot and it just it's kind of mad max uh type uh type of deal you have like these gangs uh, roaming around and whatnot and everyone's been turned to everything's been turned to shit everyone's like you have this side of mass murderers up against like this uh like you know other side where it's like barely holding out and whatnot and so you're just kind of like thinking of like oh, okay who am i gonna fight for and, uh, and then you meet up with, like the people that you uh once knew Obviously, four years have has changed them and whatnot, and you're just trying. I to have like, a dumb question. Yeah, does this game have any sort of like faction that you like? Uh, you you briefly mentioned like different people around the wasteland or whatever you call, want to call it, but like, <laughs> is there any sort of like factioning in this game or not really? I don't know at the beginning. I don't yeah, know if it like setting allegiances or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's definitely there's definitely like you know, if there is, it's definitely not in the demo. Yeah, like right now you're working for this like like small faction because like you know like the people. Like you know, you used to know them, but right now I don't know if like you're just gonna be like uh, other allegiances that you can make or not. So that's kind of like the setup of the game, and then you're kind of just running around, um, doing stuff, doing side quests and whatnot. Like you'll have a side quest in a scene. Wait, side like, quest? Hey, is this, a, is yeah. this an RPG? So I know in this, I know in, in this like first section of our podcast, we kind of open the floor to anything we've been playing. But like, just I'm just curious, like how RPG is this game? It's very RPG. It's like it's a third person oh, okay. shooter Diablo through and through. You have like, you know, obviously color coded loot. Um, you have that destiny style interface where you have the cursor and then all like 
you have like all the equipment on you and then you can like swap out very easily like oh this this number is better than this one or this is a rare it has this mod this mod makes it so like if like for example my turret will explode and then the people around it will like get damage as it explodes and whatnot because this equipment mod you know lets me do that and then like after like the completion of like a, like a main quest or a side quest for the first time you get like a, a set of like three equipment options like you can you can choose like I want this one as my reward and whatnot, and it's kind of weird how they do this, um, where you can kind of grind for equipment in the demo, where um, after you complete a side quest, you can like actually replay that side quest, and then you'll still get a reward, but you won't have like the choice of three. You'll just like get automatically like a reward from it, whether it be something good for you or not. So you're kind of rolling the dice again on like getting equipment out of it, but you, you, the the demo doesn't let you like. It has like hard limits, right? It'll you can't progress after this part of this main story. You can't uh, level past this level. Um, you can only have this amount of like max currency. You can't like grind for currency like and like you know forever and whatnot. Um, and there's also this uh, system in the game called world tiers, and world tiers are a lot like um, I'm trying to remember the Diablo three equivalent of like when you're running running through those gates uh, by the end. I I forgot what they were called. Um, but basically, as you progress world tiers, enemies will like get stronger, but you'll get better loot out of world tiers. And that's, Diablo is something like it's just isn't it something just like hard mode, hard time, hard mode times two, times three, times four, times five, or something like that. Yeah, because like you have Inferno, and then like, but there is like a specific like thing at the end of Diablo three where you can like run these trials or gates, and you can. I know just, like, what you're talking about, but I also don't remember what it's called. Yeah, it exactly. Like, it, it literally like counts up. Yes, um, yeah. No. So, uh, so that's kind of like uh, the the big risk reward thing. Like you wanna, if you wanna get better loot, you have to face stronger enemies, obviously. And the, and the nice thing I really like about this demo is that it's fully crossplay. Um, it's very easy to do crossplay too. So all you have to do to do crossplay is so there's like a little toggle option. Say, do you want to enable crossplay? It's like yeah, sure. And then to invite other people in. You just generate this uh, game code for them, and then they just input that into their game, and it's like, and then there you go. That's how you match together. And There's it, it no works. Um, PvP is there? no, not for my. I don't, I don't know about the final game, but this is very PVE focused, and it's not. It's not a games as a service. They're they're pitching this as like is a, a full complete game. You'd have to wait for like. There's like no dailies, no like whatnot. I don't I mean, know if they're gonna do. I don't know if they're gonna do events because it's the the weird thing about this is as soon as you start that game, yeah, you have to go to an authentication screen, and then even with the with a PS5 version, you have to like link your Square Enix account to that game to even start beginning playing it as well. Which is I only ask because uh, when you when I heard like you can toggle crossplay on or off. It, it makes me think like why why wouldn't you want that? Like if there was PvP, I'd get it because you know some people say. Oh, they're on PC, so they're gonna win because you know, the mouse and keyboard. But like, if if there's no PvP, then like, why even make it a toggle? I, I guess I just wonder like what I don't people know. would say if they not want it. I guess. I I, I mean I can kind of see that uh, now that I think about it because the load times on this on PC and PS5 are pretty lightning quick, so you can go in and out. But like I I hear the 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 base versions, the PS4 and Xbox One. Oh uh, yeah, types are, are not, not great. So maybe you're just like, okay, I I don't want an odd. I only want to be connected to people who you know for sure have fast loading times. So like I, if I only, 
okay that makes sense yeah i wasn't thinking of generational there might also be like if you're doing a group content and someone's playing like this you'd have to be really elitist here but hey those people exist um where and i think this happens also like with console mmos where if you're doing like a group event or raid or dungeon or whatever and you're like have keyboard mouse players and then uh controller players and then they have less dps or or, are taking more damage or like second class citizen at that point where that that might happen and some some people might just say like i don't want to deal with that i only want to play with pc players or whatever it's a bit elitist but it's it's just a fact yeah and then there's this this is also you know there's a whole skill tree system for each of the class in the game they have like three main branches but you can like uh, weave in and out of like well, what kind of specific build you want obviously there's like big nodes on that skill tree that'll like give like a really special like skill uh to your class and whatnot and it's like it's free respec uh anytime anywhere essentially which is really good i i will say bluntly that when you say there's three skill trees i'm just kind of like of course there are like what else what other options <laughs> are there no, but it's it's really cool because like how they do skill trees, it's not like uh, linear uh, where like it's like a straight line. They're like on each of the uh, three like branches, there's like mini like branching paths on each of them to like you can kind of really tweak and how you want to like build your character according to your play style. It's a uh, I, I was I was impressed with it. Like uh, it's 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 not like the best game ever from that demo, but it's not. It's not bad either. Like I, I had an enjoyable time. I, I think the though the worst I could say about it is like the story is just whatever, you know. Like like the 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 tone of the story is kind of weird because like it's it's kind of um I guess the, the best I could describe is like it's like a bullet storm light where like bullet storm really leaned on like kind of the like a, a B movie uh, cursing and like you know and whatnot. Uh, this one's like it's like sort of almost there, but it's too afraid to cross that line that bullet storm kind of did. At some spots so it's kind of it feels toothless even though and your character is definitely a dick like it's the no hesitation about it it's like they're that's the character that they're trying to make too and like your your character isn't like a silent protagonist they're like a, they have an active role in the story they're an actual character in the story whatnot. all you do all, all you do is like you make a name for them and like some appearance options and whatnot um but and they can obviously uh, make them a male or female as well and but they'll always refer to you as an outrider you know so it's kind of it's deep. I'm I'm in uh, and progress is carried over to the full game, game, right? Yeah, yeah. All the progress that you make in the demo, it, it, it does it does make sense then that they'll cap it to some extent because otherwise you might yeah. have like people who just decide for no good reason to be like I'm going to grind these early levels until I'm like max level with a ton of money and then go into the game like with a with a big big leg up on everyone else. So I understand that they have to like rein it in a little bit. <laughs> Even then, it's kind of it's kind of weird too because there's like it's no there's no PvP content, right? So you're just and and like how how much of a big leg up are you gonna get like uh, if you like if you cap levels but don't cap money or something like that? But mm. like like all the equipment that you're get, you're getting right now is probably gonna be obsolete in like the first hour of the full game. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> Which is yeah okay sure why not? I, I don't really mind, but uh, yeah, that's the. The, the first impressions of the that new people can fly game or published by square enix I, i've also been uh in a weird like sort of i don't have like any active things i'm working towards right now for the site so i'm kind of exploring what, what i feel like what because there's not a lot a lot of like crazy new games out at the moment soon but not soon enough so i've 
decided, you know what, I'm going to uh, look for my PlayStation TV and hook that back up. So I hooked back up my PlayStation TV, did all the system updates so I can use a DualShock 4 in it because at some point they, they allowed for DualShock 4 support on it and i've started kind of replaying muramasa rebirth for some reason i'm just i was like you know what i'm tired of waiting for vanillaware to maybe port muramasa anywhere else so i downloaded the that game and all the dlc with it and i'm just like you know what i'm just gonna have you never played it before no i played this uh, i played this a lot when it came out but i just it's one of those things that i like coming back to the game because it's so oh yeah it's so fun to play like uh it's definitely one of the Arguably the best action game on on the Vita, and you know maybe of all time. Who knows? I don't know, but it still feels really good to play. I've been having a lot of fun with it. Other than that, saw me playing. It's just it's just kind of weird because we talked about this a tiny bit when we were talking earlier in the year and late last year about Thirteen Sentinels, where like Muramasa and that game Thirteen Sentinels. Obviously, they have a similar art style, but they play completely different. They have completely different like paradigms in terms of like just even just like gameplay to story and how you interact with the game and i i hadn't played many vanillaware games but miramasa was the one that i played on my playstation vita <laughs> like i think mm-hmm. i've dunked on the vita a few times when james has talked about it but like no i was there when miramasa came to it and i played it and i enjoyed it a lot uh it's a very difficult game when you play it on its hardest difficulty but just such a different experience that, from uh <laughs> from 13 sentinels in every way yeah, I was thinking of when it was kind of like uh, choose a difficulty. I was like, do I want to do Fury difficulty? Because that's the difficulty. It's like a one shot, one kill uh, for you. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll just do the Chaos, which is kind of like the hard difficulty equivalent. Because uh, I was thinking about, I've done a Fury run of that game. It's uh, crazy, crazy. I think I just played through it once on normal. I think I got it through PlayStation Plus at one point back when it had Vita games. I'm trying to, I think that's mm-hmm. what it was. So it was kind of like, you know, no barrier of entry. Why not try it? And then I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I definitely recommend if you ever like revisit that, if you haven't played the DLC, the DLC is arguably better than the base game uh, for that game because it's uh, it's like four different characters for each per, per DLC. And they all they, they all function very different, uh, differently from the two main characters. They have like their own mechanics going on. Now, it's only on Wii and Vita, right? Like those are your options. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but the uh, the Vita has is the only one that has the DLC. He uh, uh, has the is like the base game. Need to track one down. Yeah, or they should start putting their games on PC or Switch. Uh, I'll take either. I, I I wish, man. I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I just I have a wait spare PS TV. What was that? I have a spare uh, PS TV. Why do you have there a you spare? Go. To give it to you just for this moment, <laughs> um, because my roommate uh, said he didn't want his anymore, so he just gave oh. it to me. Oh, what? disrespectful! I have two PS TVs as well, but uh, like back then, I was like, well, you had to get a separate PS TV per region, so it's like one for US and one for J- Japanese games. So, George, you have on here that you have recently picked up an Xbox Series X. I thought yes, you already had I- one. But I guess not. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts? Uh, okay. The, the thing with the Xbox Series X is that, t- like, technologically, it's really powerful, and like the stuff they're doing with backspatability is really really cool. Um, Game Pass is an absolute steal. Uh, like, I know that this, this these are all really hot takes. I know, but 
when I, when I set up the Xbox, I was like, okay, I can't wait to play uh, Ori, I guess. Like, finish that. Like, I you remember how excited I used to be about Ori? Oh, my God, that, <laughs> that makes me seem old. Um, but, yeah, there's just nothing to show it off yet. Uh, so, really, all I've been doing is uh, downloading a bunch of, like, old games, just seeing if, how they, like, upscale. And it, it's really impressive. Like, I did download Dishonored the other day, um, which is an amazing game. Uh, and that, the thing, the thing is, it's like, it, it feels silly to be like, oh my God, it runs at 60 now when like on PCs, like, you know, that, that's been, you can do that probably since the game was launched. Um, but as a, as a console peon, it's like, it's, it's cool to have games in 60 that never were. Um, and then besides that, I revisited, see, it's funny. I remember when the PS5 came out, we had like an hour long discussion on the PS5 and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then the Xbox is like, yeah, it's cool. You know, I have it now, I guess. Um, well, I mean, it's hard to have an hour-long discussion when there's only one person that has the uh, Xbox on the podcast. Oh, so. I, oh, I'm the only one who's got it? I think so. Yeah, um, yeah you're not missing yeah. out, guys, like, to be honest. It, Wait, so I mean, what, what motivated you to purchase one, then? Like, you just found it on a store shelf, or, or what? <laughs> I, uh, I saw someone tweet about it, on obviously on Twitter, um, and they're like, oh, the the sort of like the big game retailer in the UK they have some like up for stock like if you want to like look maybe they're still there and I did and you know when you you you're like oh I won't get it but you know I'll just see if it's there and you're sat there you're like but, but I could get it here's my chance yeah well and, what I mean I guess in the future you can I mean like we there's all that Bethesda stuff and yes, who knows what'll yes. be exclusive to Xbox. I mean probably Xbox and PC, but yeah, know, it'll be on PC. <laughs> that, that's the weird thing about the Xbox for me, right? It's like I could get an Xbox or I can just get it on PC. Yeah. So. It, it's it's kind of I'm personally not a massive fan. I, I like exclusives. I know that's uh, maybe an unpopular opinion to be like, oh no, I want people to play the games on the console, but I think it's kind of, kind of part of the experience. Like, oh, Halo's come to Xbox, and like that makes me want to have an Xbox. Um, but yeah, I, for me, it's more of an investment. I know when Halo Infinite comes out, I want to play that. I know when Fable comes out, I want to play that. Um, so right now, it's just kind of sat there, and I'm kind of <laughs> forcing myself to play it. Like, oh, like no, this, I, I, I can, I can sort of see that where it's like you know that now that now any game that comes out or whenever we start getting more information about all those like avowed and uh, whatever the next um, gears project is or, or whatever, like it's on the table for you. You don't have to have that burden of oh now I got to find an Xbox. You've got yeah, that part exactly. like yeah, squared away. Also, like any third party game coming out. Um, from here on out, it's probably going to run better on the Xbox than PlayStation Five. So, exactly. Oh, yeah, who, it's, who knows about that? You know, like it's probably going to be very equal for both platforms. That's what I feel. Like, generally, talking, sorry, go I mean, I'm like, I'm just thinking back of like the people like looking at the innards of like the Xbox Series X and PS Five last year. It's like, oh, obviously this one console is going to be way better than the other because of like the the spec sheet. The spec sheet says this, and then when it came time, like you know. Uh, like the the one that's the supposed to be like one. One, yeah the one that's supposed to be quote unquote like what less powerful uh, just from the spec sheet like the games generally ran better on it you know it's, well, it's my guess is only really the thing at launch know how it's, 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 it's one of those things yeah it's one of those things that's like you, you could say like it was a thing at launch but at the at the end of the day it's up to the developers to decide like how yeah. they're gonna do this right so mm -hmm. and I, I I think I think it's it's a it's a weird like things like even at this point in the stage where the where the consoles are basically neck and neck on like 
performance-wise for the vast amount of games that they play, that's like it's it's not early. It's a zero-sum game. At the end of the day, like play what you want on these consoles because they're very comparable. At this, so point. this is going to sound weird since I don't have a Series X, but from my experience using the Xbox One. If I wasn't a PC gamer, I would definitely try and play most of my like multiplat games on an Xbox just because the overall user experience is way better compared to PS5 right now. Well, there's that That's news the, this yeah. week about uh, the process of upgrading Avengers to PS5 compared to yeah, Xbox. <laughs> yeah, because you've also got Game Pass. I mean, it's like I don't personally need a series x because i have a pc but looking at what the series x does offer i can say that it's probably worth it to most people especially now yeah. with uh pc price like pc component prices through the freaking roof yeah uh, well that, for sure like that's the, the nice thing about xbox like we were mentioning earlier like expandable storage is gonna be way but like it's way easier on xbox even though you have to do like those memory cards at the back of it it's just plug and play like you don't have to worry about like whether this thing's gonna work or like for Sony, for example, they're still trying to get their shit together on like how they're even gonna do expandable storage because of like now there's reports of like maybe there's like heat issues or whatnot, and then there's fan profiles that they have to set, and that's weird. Even even external H uh, hard drive on uh, P- PS5 right now is still kind of like a dicey shit show. So it, like there are merits to Xbox for sure, and you know that's that's a big. Uh, nice thing about it is like things just generally work even smart delivery is like it on paper it should be like oh of course things are going to work but now that we're we're like how many months into this new console generation like sony's still trying to like figure it shit out on like oh, can, by the way uh we were talking about this earlier before the podcast and it's tied uh tied to the game pass talk so i'm looking at my uh, this is the PC version of Xbox Game Pass, and I just see all the EA Play stuff that was added, all the Bethesda stuff, like Dishonored, like George mentioned, and Doom and Prey. And then also Octopath Traveler is listed as coming out March 24th, so just in a few days. So, like, I know we started this conversation talking to George because he was the one that picked one up. Like, I feel like I'm just looking at this list of games, like, you should find one game in here at least that's like, you know, to to run your Xbox Series X through the yeah, for sure. The yeah, motions, um, to try to get, try to get it working. I out would, I would recommend Prey if you haven't played it already. Prey is just, great. Yeah, it just, just got FPS yeah. boots and whatnot, and it's on Game Pass. So it's like, uh, it's, yeah, that's the thing. It's like an Xbox, like an Xbox Series X with like Game Pass Ultimate or whatnot. I feel like for the vast majority of people, that's all you really would need. Yeah, like, yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, that, that, that's that's just the hard thing about it. It's like, but like. It, it's it's worth it if you've never played these games, but a, a lot of these games are are either like old games or games are already like at a, another mm-hmm. platform or whatnot. Like the value is there for sure, but it's for the people like who don't normally like get into nitty gritty of like following games in general. Like it's an amazing value for the people like who haven't played these games. Well, and what like, I you're also you're also you're also missing out on like exclusives too. Like for Sony's end, like at the end of the day, when I'm when I'm person personally when I'm like looking for like a new con- game console i'm looking for like new games to play but like brand new games i've never played before so like when it comes to like the next god of war or the next horizon and whatnot those are probably like you know they're gonna be sony exclusives at the end of the game uh, day like for now yeah at the, I, yeah but the, at, the, at the end of the day like i'm looking for new games that i can't play anywhere else yeah you know? i agree this is this is all my thing with the exclusives i 
I I will stick with Sony because they make such amazing first party games, and Xbox do make really good games as well. Like you just have to look at Halo for that. Um, but again, they're not really exclusive, and Game Pass for most people that is such a good deal. Like that is so worth it out the gate. But for me, I've kind of already like you you guys know what i'm like i play pretty much every game that comes out so i've played almost all of the games like that i would be interested on game pass and i kind of prefer physical media anyway like i'm I'm one of those boring people that doesn't like downloading games i I just like like owning them so for me game pass is like oh it's really cool to you know be able to play dishonored again but i wouldn't i wouldn't miss out buying something like halo on disc to have it downloaded which is really I, i know that's stupid like to buy something twice to have it physically, but that's you know that's just my curse. I, I mean, I've, how many of us have done that when a PC port comes out late and we buy it again? <laughs> like <laughs> guilty as charged. But um, yeah, so, Xbox so, is great. Um, I just wish there was more, you know, to to say about it yeah. right but, now. But, like, when offer that, that's the nice thing about it, is like both the new consoles have something to offer, like for you know different audiences. So outside of grabbing the Xbox, was there anything you had played this week or just or not yet? So like I said, there's a few like little games I played here and there. Um just to, like sort of test it out. Uh one of the main ones being Halo 5 Guardians. I jumped into multiplayer of that, which I used to really enjoy. Uh, if there's one like multiplayer shooter I would play, like almost endlessly, it would be Halo 5. I just loved it. Um and that that holds up really well. Uh, I probably will be playing that again later. Uh, but besides that, I've been looking at the Switch port for Crash 4. It's about time for Nintendo Insider. Um, and it, it's a funny thing, because when that game first came out, I, I talked about it on here, I loved it. Like, I was so, so, so happy with it. Um, you said it was and really that's difficult. Still, that's true. It, it, yeah, it is. And playing it again, it's like, <sighs> there's a lot of content there like completionist wise that is just really brutal and i'm just kind of like running through it now just to see like how the port holds up and to you know just just play it for fun and i'm finding like i'm enjoying it a lot more when i don't care about how many times i die and i don't care about collecting every box but like it makes me think about my first playthrough of it where i was trying to do everything like really really well and it's like the game is so much longer if you do that but on its own it's like quite a short thing um and I could I say like half of the content could be cut out because a lot of it is just retreading levels. It's like, okay, now do this, but there's a wacky filter and things are reversed or whatever. And it's just, I don't know. I'm I'm a bit more sour on it. I'd still I'd still definitely recommend it, but you know, I, I've I've fallen out of love with it a little bit. I'd love I, them. I think what might have happened was that since they were following up the Insane Trilogy, they wanted there to be an equivalent amount of content. Mm. But when it's one game, it kind of stays over long, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, I There are people out there who have like 100%ed it, or you can technically do 106%, and that is a big ask. Like, you have to do each level like you have to do it perfectly tw- like you are oh, this even to list like how many things you have to do for each level is crazy there's a really good to video me, though, that's like quintessentially platformer like i think of uh donkey Kong country returns or tropical freeze where in order to get like 
200% or whatever. You have to do like all the levels, then you have to do all the levels in like the hardest difficulty, then you have to do all the levels backwards or, or whatever. Like to me, mm-hmm. that's just like when, when I see that in a platformer, which I don't play very many of, admittedly, I kind of think that's just like par for the course. Like that's their yeah, end. I'm just, game. Of like, I'm just thinking of like old school replayability. It's like, oh, these J- games are like normally short, but like they, they extend out their life by having you know all these modifiers to it so i, I don't know but like george was saying though like sometimes it might just be more enjoyable and this is totally valid just to kind of just play yeah. through it not caring about it but it's nice that it's there mm-hmm. well yeah, yeah yeah like i i originally i was like, oh my god like all this content that's amazing like this is the biggest crash game ever but then replaying it's like man some of these levels are just too long like they're, they're too long and when you're constantly dying to like what feels like unfair enemy placement and like required perfection it's kind of you get to a point where you're playing it like oh, just you know leave me alone a bit like give me give me a, like a bit of chance um, and that's not always because there are some levels that are like okay this is peak crash this is really good Crash Bandicoot content but then there are some levels especially like in the second half of the game where I'm like I, I remember when I first played through it I haven't quite quite got there yet because it's the last level of the game uh, but I got up to like 32 deaths on the death tally and there are people talking about it after the game came out saying they got like past 100 like it is just a crazy hard level um and then the game expects you to do all of that again uh it's just just like no like i'm i'm happy just playing it like that just kind of running through and enjoying it as much as i can it's a good port though how does it feel on uh when you're playing it on joy cons uh it doesn't the thing is with joy cons I, i i i never notice it now i don't know whether that's like me just being oblivious but like yeah i feel like a little bit of a rumble but when you're when you're playing it portably which is what i'm doing because it's like if i'm if i'm trying out this version of the game when i could just play it on the big screen on the ps5 now like i might as well test it in its portable form uh it, it fits the switch really well they've like they've had to make some concessions like obviously no duh it's now 30 frames instead of 60 but like it still looks good it's a little blurry sometimes but I'm actually kind of impressed that they've got it to fit so well. Like okay. I'm, I, I kind of wish it had come out like at the same time because it's like a, yeah, it's a really good companion for like the I, main version. Yeah. I think. I think I think the thing that would like I haven't played it on Switch, but uh, I think the thing that would like bug me the most is like the really thin analog sticks on Joy Cons, mm. like map maneuvering around that. It, like the I still I still I still can't play on Joy Cons. I play every Switch game on the Pro controller. I just I can't do Joy Cons. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've Josh. got like, Same. yeah, that's a common complaint. Like, I've got like, well, I don't, I don't even like so the pro controller that much. It's way too light for me. Like, I almost yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. strap a brick to it to give it some. Head. <laughs> There's nothing better right now. <laughs> I saw someone like you know you know how this is very this is a stupid tangent, but I'm gonna allow myself to go to it. Did you ever like find something on the internet and you see something that's like just wrong and you're like I have to correct that person? I saw someone talking about how great the Switch <laughs> Pro Controller D-pad was, and I'm like, no, you cannot take oh, no. oh, that. Like, no. like I played Fire Emblem Three Houses, which is a very menu-based game, and you like press right on the Pro Controller's D-pad, and it can't tell if you're pressing right, up, or down. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, dude, oh, it's so annoying. Anyways, uh, tangent about me griping about the Switch controller. I actually <laughs> thought something was wrong with like my controller when playing Fire Emblem because like, why is the cursor going the wrong direction? Like, oh, I guess that's just normal. Just very there was something pack. wrong with your controller. It's it's just inherently a flaw with the Pro Controller's D pad. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I, I there's something wrong with like the game or something. Like, no, it's not. It's just the controller is bad. <laughs> 
at least the D-pad. So, James, uh, you have on here something that was kind of a bit of a surprise this week. So we learned that Near Automata was coming to Xbox Game Pass PC. What we didn't know until this week was some of the finer details about that. So maybe I'll just let you take it away. And I think you've put a few uh, some time into the surprising new PC port for Near Automata. Yeah. So just to be completely clear, when I played Nier, I played it on uh, PS4. Uh, I actually imported it when it was a Japanese launch, so I played it like before even the spoilers could happen. Um, so this is my first time playing it on PC, but I've been familiar with the issues with the old PC port. And just knowing about how Xbox Game Pass works and how the Windows Store works, when they announced that Nier Automata was coming to uh, Game Pass for both Xbox and PC, I had a feeling that it would have some changes because they would have to go in and make some changes to get it ported to Windows Store. Um, so I downloaded it. And yeah, it's an entirely different PC port from the original PC port. This one seems to just be a port of the Xbox version with some enhancements which is really weird. And instead of so, from Square uh, internally, it's from QLock. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing and that QLock has, is, done some good, has, has done some good ports like, uh, yeah. Oh, anyways, just continue. a lot of, a lot of the Yakuza series, except for, uh, seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the settings I think are mostly the same, but now it has like a fidelity effects, like control, um, Contrast adaptive sharpening is an option, which I never use, but I mean, it's a sign that, hey, they definitely messed around internally. Um, the game's still locked to 60 FPS. The game still has some small, like, texture issues, but the stuttering, I haven't had any of that. The cutscenes run perfectly fine. There is that no was issues. The one with- thing in the Steam port that was like, even if you're not like, like a super savvy PC gamer, the cutscenes in the Steam port, even on good hardware, just absolutely chug. Like every single one, like sub 30 FPS. It's really, it's honestly kind of baffling that that's never been addressed, to be honest. Well, it's kind of weird because you can go into like Steam forums 2017 where they're like, stay tuned for more updates and then like radio silence. <laughs> it's kind of a joke now. It's just like, yeah. we'll be updating soon. And uh, uh, it's not a, it's not great. Uh, like the, the Steam like whatever the things that happen around the steam version of near automata is still it's still baffling to this day like people stop to get that far mod too yeah and it's all um it's all on uh, square Enix. it's not platinum because they even said you have to ask square Enix to allow us to uh, do any changes to it it's like yeah um but yeah i've played around with it a bit i haven't played too much uh basically just got through the it's not really a dungeon but you know what i mean first like mm-hmm. kind of section of the first playthrough um so granted my pc specs are completely op but uh so with Ryzen 9 and a an rx 6900 xt i was able to run it at lock 60 fps at 5120 by 2880 basically virtual super resolution uh, four times 1440p and it was lock 60 fps no issues so i mean 
that's what fancy aliasing turned off because you don't need MSAA when you're virtually when you're well, doing well, VSR. Apparently, but. Well, apparently, uh, anti-aliasing, like for some reason, the way the game is set up, like if you turn on MSAA in the game, it affects the draw distance or something like it, that. Or the lo- it's bizarre. The way it works is that the LOD works the same whether you have the anti-aliasing on or off. The difference is, is that if you have the anti-aliasing on, it doesn't dither in and out, it just pops in and out. Mm. So if you have anti-aliasing off, you'll see stuff kind of dither away in the distance instead of just a binary on-off. It is weird, though, because talking about a port specifically might not be that interesting, but now we might be in this paradigm where we'll have Steam versions and game uh, Windows Store versions and maybe epic game versions that aren't quite comparable in terms so of that. apparently so apparently this isn't the first time this has happened the version of final fantasy 7 on the uh, on game pass and the windows store is based off of the later like ps4 xbox version of it whereas the version on steam is the old pc that's actually yeah that's actually not that actually makes sense i remember when I decided to replay Final Fantasy VII. I decided to get the PS4 version over the PC version because the PC version on Steam is just like the the IDOS port, basically. And this is true so, both of Nier Automata and Final Fantasy VII. It's like, well, it's actually still better if you mod the hell out of it. It's like, well, that's kind of like inevitable. Like if you inject enough up-res textures and UI modifications or whatever, and then you can eventually at some point claim that your Steam version is better than whatever other versions. Like, well, I guess congrats. Like... One thing I I will impress me that much. One thing I will say is that if this same thing happens with Final Fantasy 13 and its whole trilogy, when that comes to Game Pass, there's no way in hell you're going to you're not there's no way you're hell you're going to mod the uh, Steam version of those games to be better than presumably a new version of the game that's based off of the Xbox One X version, which is as of right now the best way to play. Um, Final Fantasy 13. Sorry. I just wanted to bounce off the uh, Final Fantasy 13 comment. Doesn't the Xbox version of Final Fantasy 13 ha- is the only one with like the high res cutscenes? Yep, you it can't, has you can't those re- in. <laughs> re-rendered 4K cutscenes. Yep. Well, uh, mine was also a comment on Final Fantasy 13. Uh, I mean, this was several years ago at this point, but I remember Durante was. This is back uh, when he was doing all of his Jito Sato stuff and a lot of his like Souls modding or whatever. He looked at the PC port of Final Fantasy 13 and at a high level very generally he could not fix like this weird frame pacing tied to like ui something like it was the pc port of that game is just bizarre like it does not scale to hardware it does not perform in a way you would expect it's not a something you can easily just go in and tweak and fix so, so it's one of the and it kind of as far as i understand i haven't played the pc version of that game in like three years so i don't know like what the community has come up with but it's kind of always been sort of like this patched up ship where sure you can mod it to run better but then it might be weird if it gets a Windows Store version and it's all it's just good out of the box and you don't have to consider running Jito Sato or Special K or, or whatever. Yeah, having things good out of the box is pro- pretty preferable to me than just having to like, okay, what mods do I have to look like yep. scour for 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 her to actually like run for, uh, decently? I, like I think another. Me... Go ahead, Josh. Uh, yeah, I was saying that I think another uh, example of like having a new PC port. The Game Pass or Windows Store version is, uh, I think, the Evil Within as well uh, has a similar like enhancement on uh, Game Pass where it has like well, offers I, more options. I think Evil Within was id Tech Five, 
which was always kind of like the weird ugly ducking of it because ever since like it tech six and i think seven now for doom eternal have been like well lauded and you know scale impressively obviously all the way down to switch but it tech five was kind of like a weird period where they had like the mega texture uh oddities they had some weird design design decisions there so i wonder if there's yeah. like a porting the engine or making it run like uh with a different like graphics api underneath i'm not sure So James, was there anything else other than your automata that you had been playing this week? Um, a buddy of mine uh, just released uh, his indie game this week, Adios. Um, so that's like Studio Mischief. Not going to talk about any like anywhere like on a on like a website or anything except podcasts. I played it. It's it's good. It's a it's a very small like narrative like adventure, and it's like a it was this team of basically just two dudes and the person that they hired to do like the uh visuals for it but um it's it's good if it basically the premise is is that you play as this uh pig farmer that oh i did see that i saw this on twitter i was thinking i was like yeah sounds familiar yeah yeah he's decided that he no longer wants to uh basically let his pigs help dispose of bodies for the mob and uh yeah it's it's neat it's a pretty pretty good story um and all that uh, obviously not for everyone not everyone's into those like sort of like for lack of Eco a better size. term walking sim yeah but uh it it's good support him like again small indie developer and whatnot yeah and that's called adios right yep on steam no, i actually saw the it's the also account. available on Xbox, and you can buy it on Itch. Okay. I saw the account. Can you pet the dog? You have a shout out for it, uh, but it's kind of sad. So don't look it up if you don't want to cry. <laughs> I know it's always it's always cool to see like uh, these little uh, indie developers have the tools available to be able to release a a two person, three person project and get it signal boosted. And I think it's rated very positively on Steam right now. So people have uh, taken to it pretty well. All right, I think we're over to uh, Adam. Yep. So, uh, I, in the last week, have been playing a dungeon crawler RPG titled uh, Saviors of Sapphire Wings. Now, this is a dungeon crawler from the development team, Japanese development team at Experience Inc. That's also uh, not so the full title as well. Sorry? Oh, that's, not the, that's not the full title. Well, of this game it is, Saviors of Sapphire Wings. <laughs> so Experience Inc. is sort of like a Japanese indie studio-ish, at least that size, that develops like dungeon crawlers. They're they're like like Etrian Odyssey, maybe, you know, like first person grid style, step by step, you know, type of motion, um, dungeon crawlers. And um a, what what recently released is actually a dual pack, which is what you're getting at. It's called Saviors of Sapphire Wings slash Stranger of Sword City. And those are the two games in the pack. Um, so uh, Saviors of Sapphire Wings is actually what it is, is a redo. It's like a remaster with new art of one of the studio's very first RPGs back when they were like really, truly indie um, that never, never released in the West before. And Bluntly, you can kind of tell that it's like one of their earlier games. All their games are are similar in ways, you know, being dungeon crawlers with similar flavors and whatnot. But this one is just a little bit more basic. It's a little bit more plain. 
it's fine. Um, you basically, I mean, the story premise isn't that interesting, maybe, and it's not really the thrust of the game either. It's that your main character was fighting off against a demon overlord and you fail and you basically get put into like a stasis for a hundred years. And then a hundred years later, you wake up in a new world where the overlord is expanding his power and you're basically need to stop him. That's basically it. And you recruit new characters along the way. Uh, you don't create characters. A lot of these dungeon crawlers, you actually create characters in this game. You don't, they join you, but you can change their, uh, their class or, you know, what, what they do basically freely. And then you just go through a handful of dungeons, you know, fighting different bosses, uh, some mini quests here and there, but it's, it's a pretty straightforward game. I would actually say that like, even though this game isn't really stellar, it's okay. And might actually be a decent introduction to this sort of genre because it is relatively simple compared to, for example, Stranger of Sword City, which is the other game in this dual pack, which is, in my opinion, a better game and a more interesting game. But it's also it it, it's, it requires maybe a little bit more experience um, with the genre to really gel with it. So, uh, more experience. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Like uh, you know, where uh, developers ha- usually have to like craft experiences of of like what's a beginner's like take on like dungeon rpgs or like their well, like what'll be the gateway to like understanding dungeon rpgs versus something like stranger of sword city where like it, like the barrier of entry like is decently high like you need to have like a good solid foundation of like the do's and don'ts of yes. dungeon rpgs because oh, yes. that, that there's definitely ways like where you can like build yourself into a into like a dead end where like oh i've i've definitely like screwed up like the character progression and like I, now, there's like this obstacle in front of me. Like none of my my co- party composition, that like works for this. So like I remember when um, Atlas did like the Etrian Odyssey remakes. They had like that story mode of them yeah. in the remakes where you like 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 in uh, Saviors of Sapphire ways, like they give you characters, story characters for that, and then you can kind of progress the game from there using those story characters. Mm-hmm. So this dual pack is actually you know actually pretty well suited in that regard in a way that like if you're looking for an introduction to this genre if you're interested at all you can play savior of sapphire wings and if you gel with that at all even though i don't think the game is like fantastic then you can maybe try stranger of sword city after that um this is the the like a a re like an updated version of stranger of sword city right it's like stranger of sword city oh yeah so i i had played stranger of sword city when it released on vita um, back in 2016, I think, and they re-released it. So that that actually that version. Let me back up a bit. That version actually did release on multiple platforms on PC and Xbox, I think. Um, and then they re-released it on Vita only as Stranger of Sword City Revisited. As far as I understand, it's largely the same game, but it does make a few tweaks in terms of like there's like one new dungeon and there's a couple of new equipment and you know skills and things. So it's just sort of like a, a minor, I've, like, not like I, a remaster, not like like uh, like Savior Sapphire Wings is, which is like all new art and everything. But it is an updated version, and that's the version that is on. I will Twitch say, I will say. So I haven't actually gotten around to playing Revisited, but I have read up on the changes. You're right that visually it's basically identical, um, but it makes two important changes. One, you cannot choose the anime art style; you only have the yes. good art style. Two, no, 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 no
the way that grinding for equipment works has been tweaked. And I remember with Stranger Sword City, that was like my one most major complaint was just how annoying it was to grind for equipment in the way that you basically just waited for ambushing and all that stuff. It's just God. You threw you basically, you basically threw gems at like a like a spawn point and then you fought enemies and then it was, it was almost kind of like a I'm going to regret saying this, but sort of like a loot box, I think, or like you, you throw in if, if no, it's, a lot it's, of... it's, it's a literal loot box. Cause the way they say it is that you're waiting for monsters to walk by with, with loot. They're literally holding it in a box and you get it after you kill them. You, you, um, you, what it was, if I remember correctly, and a, a lot of experience games work similar to this. So I might be getting it mixed up. Um, where, uh, you basically throw like a helmet gem into this spot and then you fight an enemy and then you get a chance of getting a helmet. It might be a good helmet. It might be a shit helmet, but like, that's how it worked. Uh, um, that's like not that. how it worked in base game In base oh. game. You literally just expended. Uh, it, it's kind of similar to the real It's, it's kind of similar to the way that reinforcement works in like uh, labyrinth of refrain. You basically use some of those points to wait for, uh, in these specific spots in dungeons where they have a chance they have like each of these spots has its own loot table for what sorts of equipment can be found that way. And you just wait and you keep expending that same resource if you want to reroll. And, but there's like a, ch the more you do that, there's a higher chance that they'll actually discover you and you'll be ambushed. It was yeah. just, it was really annoying to grind because it's like, if you wanted to keep like, Rerolling for the specific type of equipment you wanted, it just made it more likely that you get ambushed, which means, oh, well, better reset, because if you get ambushed, you're probably going to get wiped. Yeah, stepping back a bit out of the weeds, a lot of the experience RPGs do have um, some way that you can sort of, uh, rather than having loot being like absolutely completely random, there's usually some way you can sort of like seek out um specific equipment um whether it is like i got it mixed up with demon gaze where you have like gems that sort of highlight what equipment you're searching for or whatnot now uh what was i gonna say i'm not sure like so dungeon crawlers the thing i like about dungeon crawlers just in general like broadly as a genre is that uh you as a player do have a lot of control over like how you construct your party and how you approach battles. And that can have like major uh, effect on how well you're doing. So you actually do, it does require, you know, some, there, there isn't just like an overpowered character that you can just pop into your party and then do great. You kind of have to consider, you know, your balance, your coordination of your party. And Josh was mentioning earlier, like you kind of have to know some of the tips and tricks in dungeon crawlers to to not run into walls as often. For example, if you've played any dungeon RPG, you know you need a paladin. You need someone to basically be like the tank shield of your group. And almost all dungeon crawlers have some sort of ability where the tank will basically take hits for everyone else. And if you do not have that, you are literally making the game like three times harder than it is. Uh, I think James would probably agree. You like you need to have a paladin and also, not even just that, I'd say like a big thing for at least base game, Stranger of Sword City, that's like the most important thing is hit hit and evade chance. Yes, you need evasion is better than uh well, I guess hit and avoid uh, this is tell me if this is what you're about to say, but hit and avoid chance is like you want to get those as high as possible because missing sucks. <laughs> you don't want to yeah. miss. 
Yeah. Um, it's just the one thing I remember. And so back when I used to be at Tech Rafter, I, I did review the original Vita version of Stranger of Sword City. And uh, one of the contributors there was reviewing the PC version for their YouTube channel. And I warned them going in, there's going to be a specific boss near the end that you're going to get stuck at and you need to and just be prepared for that. And they said, oh, it can't be that bad. The very start of their video is them just like screaming over getting stuck at that boss for 30 hours. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot, a lot of like dungeon RPG, like you know, the, the know-how of that is like kind of thinking of like base D&D mechanics of like what are like the the most like high concept essential things you need to like for an RPG. And obviously it's like ways to do damage mitigation, ways to... Uh, manipulate like crowd control and aggro management and whatnot it's like it's like a lot of that but like like expounded like to the x degree for dungeon rpgs because because the, the way they're tuned difficulty wise is for you to it, it's for you to, to, to test your knowledge of that of those high concepts in rpgs in general like uh, for, for a lot of like like um popular rpgs like final fantasy and you know and, and even shin megami tensei to an extent like you can you, like you can generally like somewhat brute force your way through those rpgs raw stats wise uh, if you put enough uh time into it dungeon rpgs like for the most part like it's not like a uh, you have to have a game plan yeah exactly and that's why i like them yeah yeah um so what do you think about the pc port because you're playing the pc version right because i've heard some things about the pc version i think it's honestly fine the launcher is a little bit weird, but like once you're into the game, uh, it's it's a dungeon crawler. It doesn't need to be fancy. It works, you know. No crashes. No, yeah. it runs perfectly smoothly. <laughs> the, the only thing I've I've heard about it is like there 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 are some weird like localization and like uh, issues where it's like there, sometimes there'll be like like uh, like a, a typo here and there for like uh, yeah. a certain like class or something, or sometimes there'll be like a text overflow issues like presentation wise, but like. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's all I've heard. I haven't, I haven't like touched the game or anything yet. There, there, there are some cases, and it's one of those things where it's like, it doesn't bother me that much because I know this is a niche genre. And they're probably not going to put a whole lot of effort into making sure it's um, like, basically, like there are some places where the English text just takes quite a bit of space. So it's, there's either like a small bit of overflow or it gets like scrunched to fit in the spot. And it's just like, okay, whatever <laughs> to me. What have you heard? Yeah, yeah, port yeah. Is like, yeah, I don't have any issues with it. The launcher is really just a little bit weird, but literally, like after five seconds of just clicking a button in the launcher, it's fine. So, if I were to play these, what order would I play them in? The two on the set. Uh, well, Strange- two- Saviors of Sapphire Wings is technically the first game in the Students of the Round like universe of games. And from what Adam's saying, it's a bit easier than Stranger Sword City, so you'd want to start with it anyways. All right. They they keep they mention how like some of these games are like in connected universes, like like this is actually connected to Demon Gaze, which is connected to Stranger Sword City. But to be honest, it's like I don't even know what the connections are after I played them. Like it it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, for for me, like even in Etrian Odyssey, you know, like the story takes a backseat to gameplay mechanics because right. the gameplay are first and foremost. That's what I really care about in dungeon RPGs is how how do things mesh well together. The everything about those plot and story and characters doesn't really. 
I don't really think about it too much at all in dungeon RPGs. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to mention this. Sorry, this is kind of looping back to a discussion we were talking about just a few minutes ago. But like in terms of like strategies in these games, like this is one of those things that may not be super intuitive if you're playing one for the first time. But like usually these RPGs, um, there are they're actually based like very loosely off of like old wizardry games. They have like very like holdover mm-hmm. from that. Absolutely. Um, yes. Uh, like wizardry doesn't really exist anymore. So this is sort of like honestly the closest thing in the modern you know landscape but uh like for example you eventually will gain skills that are basically like buffs that you can put on your characters that last throughout the whole dungeon i remember i forget the first game i played maybe in this style maybe it was the original demon Caves, where like i didn't realize those existed um at first and they make the game a lot easier where you can basically like put on buffs on your party like when you enter a dungeon to make you like you're 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 more evasive you're more likely to hit enemies you take less damage against magic and things like that and then when you get into battle there's usually like party skills that you can use like outside of your unit abilities to like raise your hit chance or or whatever that you can kind of bolster those on as well and then there's other buffs you can do just like more standard and like you kind of have to understand like how all these actually work because if you just ignore them it's not going to go very well for you um it's just the sorts of things that you just kind of have to play the game and learn it and figure it out like exactly how these all work you can't really brute force it like you were saying you kind of have to know how you you kind of have to plan properly and understand like what's available to you and how you can basically tip the scales more so in your favor yeah the, the entire genre is about just just trial and error right it's a lot about like understanding just base knowledge things and then understanding mm-hmm. the integrity of like each of the individual game, of, like okay, what the what system does this game have that differentiates it for this game? And how how can I make use of it in the context of this game? Like that that that's kind of like the the neat thing about dungeon RPGs. Like they they all kind of seem like you know the they're all similar on the surface, but once you get to the nitty gritty of each one, it's like oh, there are things specific to this game that I have to keep in mind. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like if you're not in the dungeon RPGs, they all kind of play the same but like when you're into them it's like no they're like there's there's little like it, there's like little tidbits here and there that are different and it affects you can affect gameplay a lot um depending on how exactly it all fits together yeah like in this um, Odyssey, you have an alchemy class and i'm actually doing alchemy in in the middle of combat trying not to die yeah i miss that Odyssey. me too <laughs> it's been like three years since that uh um, that's you, either. Yeah. yeah, Atlas, give us another dungeon RPG, please. We're dying. If you can't tell, like I'm just uh, like my favorite dungeon RPG series is actually Odyssey. Uh, admittedly, I played. I think I have played every experience game that's been localized to English. Um, they announced a new one that we'll talk about. Um, but like I don't think any of them really are as good as almost any Etrian Odyssey game. Like Etrian Odyssey is really good. <laughs> I think with dungeon RPGs, it's like one of those genres where the most popular like series is also probably the best and most consistently good. Yeah. So it's like Etrian Odyssey, it's like they're really good. Back in the day, that used to be wizardry. Then wizardry yep. really fell off after I can't even remember what was the tipping point. I played that uh, that Japanese wizardry game. So people who don't know, like the wizardry IP, like 
has kind of bounced around a bit. And then like some Japanese developers have had their hand on it. So some people even make a distinction between like classic wizardry and no, this is Japanese wizardry. And it's not exactly the same, even though it's technically the same IP. I played, well, I don't even remember what it was called. Exceed released still last year. Do you remember this? Uh, Labyrinth of Lost Souls. Yeah, that game was actually honestly one of the worst one, one of the weaker it's ones I played. It was it, for you, for those of you who play dungeon RPGs, it was like all the maps were like big open rooms. Like that's yeah. not interesting. Uh, it, yeah. it, it, like the overall aesthetic of it, like it, it like isn't like well crafted together either. Like I played I played that when it was like originally released like like on early PS3. Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh man, but it really so for those of you. I'm just saying they really did wizardry dirty. Damn. Yeah. I can so, just hear the silence between uh, Brian and George. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I'm just enjoying it, you know? Yeah, I just like that's part of the reason why I enjoy having this section at the front of the podcast is that we all have different. This is going to sound very kumbaya, but I do believe there's a nugget of truth to it <laughs> uh, where like, like I'm sure when yeah. I'm talking about Fallout 76 or whatever, you guys are all like got your head in your hands or something like that. But when you guys are talking about dungeon crawlers, I'm just enjoying hearing you guys, uh, you know, I'm, I'm living vicariously through your experiences with ex- experience and, games. Well, the and record. there was the month and a half where I was just talking about Final Fantasy 14. <laughs> yeah i just want to like in general i enjoy hearing about games through your guys's experience rather than just like taking whatever consensus i imagine to be true from twitter and being like oh there's nothing important to say about marvel but if you were to play that and tell me how black panther plays or whatever like i'd love to hear it rather than just take at face value whatever dunks or hot takes people have in their little tweets you know what i mean so yeah all right so the re so the last question adam which one of us is going to review Labyrinth of Yomi? I would like to, but I know I'm going to have to fight you for it. Uh, so the thing is, is like they've been working on Labyrinth of Yomi for a while. I think we've talked about this in a previous podcast, maybe even the most recent one. Um, that like they announced it like four years ago, five years ago, and it went through some development changes. But like this, this savior of Sapphire Wings is sort of like announced and released like within a year, and it almost felt like just sort of a side thing that they just wanted to push something out while they were working on Naomi. So like Yomi is more like the the more interesting release, really. So I'm interested. I, to yeah, I still it. need to play my import. I I need to get around to it because like everything I've read from like Amazon Japan reviews and whatnot, which generally for the more niche titles, you get some actually really good reviews if you bother to like read them. It seems like it's a really, really good dungeon RPG. So I'm excited to see how like both of us feel about it because like both of us are good. Let's be honest, um, Labyrinth of Yomi, if it's any good, will probably be one of our game of the years. <laughs> I, I like how are you we... guys defaulted to that name and not Undernauts. <laughs> That's exactly what I was gonna say. Like, are we just not calling it Undernauts anymore? <laughs> well, it's also kind of like I think we've more we've called it Yakuza Seven more than we've called it like a dragon. Like sometimes a certain name sticks and a certain name doesn't stick. I still think they should have kept the name Yomi Osakuhana. Well, that's what's on the box still, apparently, unless that changes. We're not calling it. We're not calling it Yakuza Seven. We're about to light and darkness. It should be. That to be honest. <laughs> so I feel kind of bad because I don't have a lot to contribute to this front section of the podcast because I've just been like still swimming in Bravely Default Two. I'm at like the ninety hour mark. So I'm basically like at the end game. Like I've been doing the whole like final Just been squeezing 
every last drop of content out of that game, aren't you? Uh, basically, oh like God. I've like this is how stupid I am. Okay, like I've been looking at my lore book, seeing like what all the enemy drops and steals are, and if I don't have them, I go back to that place and get those items to fill it out for no good reason. And you must be really enjoyed it. No, I I really haven't. I really have liked it, and it has quite a meaty like quote unquote post game where you fight all the. Uh, I don't know if this is an official term, but people, people call them like portal bosses, where you basically fight stronger versions of the story bosses, only you get better gear from them and they use different tactics or whatever. And there are certain times where like th the best feeling in a turn-based RPG for me is, this is kind of particular, but I think it's true, is when I go into a battle, I get my ass handed to me. And then I'm like, okay, this enemy was using light damage. Let me put some light damage reducing equipment on. Let me make myself immune to these statuses. Let me change this person's class from X to Y. Go back. And then immediately it's way easier because like I saw the battle. I saw like how I needed to like set up my side in order to counteract theirs. Because obviously theirs is a fixed, you know, set of classes and abilities. And then it just keep iterating that until eventually I find some setup where they can't touch me. Like there was one, there's one uh portal battle where you fight i believe it's the uh the spirit master the oracle and the dragoon uh i guess maybe potential spoilers for classes those are three classes in bravely fall 2 sorry um and eventually it got to a point where like i had i had counter like strategies for all of that and i could just kind of fight that group again and again just to kind of grind a little bit and just kind of eventually like even the playing field so that i could go through uh and do the, all the other portal bosses but yeah, it's got it's got like seven of those. There's a few other optional bosses and some rare monsters on the world map. And it's got it's in a typical Bravely fashion. It has some weird oddities with like how you navigate through the ending chapters to get like the real true ending. Uh, and I've just enjoyed it a lot. Like, and that's I didn't speak up to it last week because it's all I've been playing. And I felt like we had kind of already talked Bravely Default to, to death. So sorry to bring it up again here. But it's just a it's just a really comfy. It's, it's an RPG that completely is preying on nostalgia. Like, I don't know if you're a younger person and you've never played this style of RPG, like what you really take from it. But for someone who has, does have that nostalgia, it's just like a perfect love letter, I think. So I'm allowing myself to enjoy it on that front, even if that's kind of shallow. I, I think there's a lot of merit, actually. We, we talked about this before, specifically when we talk about reviews, but I think there's merit to playing a game after all the hype's kind of died down. Like, I... I I remember when we we bravely defaulted like just come out and then we had like discussion about it for like quite like one podcast and another podcast but like it is interesting to see you talk about it like catching up with everyone else you know so I think there's merit to that I think when I played Immortals really like two months later than everyone else I, I think that made me appreciate it more I wasn't going off of like oh it's hot to talk about this it was just because I wanted to you know it's yeah, trying to be a patient gamer or whatever like there's that Reddit forum that's specifically for that it's something i do want to kind of be better at like i don't have to say like i play it at launch with the zeitgeist or never like it is okay to go to a game a year and a half even though even though it's this may be a weird tangent because barely default 2 came out in february right and it's just March. Like right but uh like I think I did pretty well when I played Aegis Rim like five months after released and hopefully in like I how do I say this it's it's interesting to see like what someone like they have they have to make and formulate their own opinion kind of what i was saying like what like when i was talking earlier about why i enjoy listening to what you guys say when you're playing games that i don't have like inclination to play myself if i do end up playing 
a dungeon crawler that you guys have played years ago and i just decided randomly to go through it at one point like i'm independent i'm kind of isolated obviously all of our like i would be a bit you know influenced by what you guys have said but i would be isolated from like what i see like posted to the front page of all the gaming websites or on people's twitter pages or forums or whatever and just kind of allow your own opinion and and also be independent of the marketing and we were actually adam and i were actually having a discussion about this about um how and this is something that we kind of run into a little bit where we have to when a when a when a developer or a publisher releases information about their upcoming game and they do like character bios or or location descriptions or whatever it's one thing to kind of read those and kind of because if you're hyped about a game and you want to absorb everything but then you also want to say i want to experience for for myself and not just hear like what the intent of a character is supposed to be how their writer describes them i want to see like how they come across to me and form my own opinion like based on how they're acted how they're written or how how a location is designed or or drawn or or whatever so maybe a weird tangent to go to come off this from bravely default 2 but uh like I, that's kind of why i wanted to bring it up again it's because like i've been just playing that i've just been ch- chewing away at it for the last week even though i feel like other people have either dropped it or have already beaten it and moved on and i'm just like you know what i'm i'm not eager to jump on to the next thing because i'm just really enjoying what i've got here and i'm trying to eke out like like james said just every drop out of it so i might hey, I have, game plus i, I, I just think i want to say well go ahead <laughs> yeah i just say i just say i need to return to it i'm just still in like this weird like break of like i've been playing a lot of like 40 plus hour grpgs like ever since the start of the year so i'm just like still trying to like uh, enjoying my free time i guess before i go back into like big rpgs well i also do have some excuse where like for instance i'm still playing fantasy star online 2 i'm excited for new genesis but i'm not in like the closed beta tests or whatever and they're still updating the global client so they added like a new a new raid boss and i put some time into that so stuff like that kind of eats away at my time too uh what were you gonna say adam Okay, you you touched on a lot of different things, and I have three <laughs> Sorry, different things. I actually had to write this down to make sure I didn't forget. All right, first of all, Bravely. That was actually one of my favorite parts about the original Bravely Default was, like, in the looping section of the game, the overall structure kind of sucks. This is the original Bravely Default. But, like, those, like, super bosses that basically combine, like, different asterisk holders into, like, some antagonist team against you, powered up. Yeah, those are, like, honestly, like, my favorite part of the game. So... <laughs> It's kind of nice that Bravely Default 2 brought that back, and it's just like you don't have to do it, but it's just like a good like kind of post game uh, ultimate sort of challenges there um, mm-hmm. with those sorts of bosses. Um, we're talking about like playing games around launch. Like when I go back and just think about like what games are my absolute favorite games, like what are my top ten? Almost none of them I played at launch. Like none. Like a few of them maybe, but like there are so many games that I kind of just went back to after you know years um like for example valkyrie profile i didn't have a playstation one and i didn't even play it on playstation 2 but like eventually i just went you know i i I think i played the psp version i played the psp version first and that was after that release too and i loved it and it's like absolutely one of my favorite games like i just kind of feel like playing it at launch or or after launch or whatever you know it doesn't in the long run it doesn't really matter your favorite games are your favorite games does it really matter if you play it when you played it anyway i um, feel kind of similarly which is weird about playing import like that's one of the reasons why some games i specifically go out of my way to import even if i'm like like it's because you get to play the game without any like 
baggage from other like English speaking players like talking about the game online. And if there is like some people still playing it, it's like going to be such a small like a ma- small number of people. Like I think I can count the number of people I know that also played uh, Labyrinth of Galleria so far, like in the English speaking world, on like one hand. So basically, the 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 thesis we're having here is that like. Sometimes it's good to have some distance from the zeitgeist, whether that's before the English launch or well after it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so the third thing I was going to say was like, I definitely do agree with Brian about like, like publishers will always put out like fact sheets or whatever, like here are all the different character bios and things like that. But I find myself like not really interested in that because like you could take any character and make them sound interesting or whatever. If you like just describe what they're supposed to be and how, or like what they're supposed to be doing and whatnot, but it's really all like, how, how are they actually like presented in the game? What do they do in the game? How are they introduced? How do they interact with the other characters? Maybe they're shit, but of course you're yeah. never going to get that from a bio. <laughs> that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's really what's honestly like bugs me about like marketing, especially like that. Just don't even show like the game, like the gameplay at all. Or like, like CGI trailers. Mm-hmm. Or just like, I don't why I don't fucking care. You know, if I if I if I'm if you're you're trying to sell me a game, I want to know what I'm actually doing the game. What am I seeing in the game and I'm playing it, you know. I don't need mm-hmm. to fancy I'm just reminded of that. I'm just reminded of, of that uh, Gravity Falls meme. Wow, this is this is absolutely useless. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely agree with you guys. And also, you know, when I when I'm reviewing games, I always think about like like my you need to get paid. You need to have, have that mindset of like the initial excitement of like, I'm just going to give it this. I'm so excited. It's like, okay, well, well let's really dissect like what are the merits of this game and like how, how will I, like, what will I view it as time goes on and whatnot? It's not like just in the spur of the moment type of deal. It's just like, okay, like I always give myself at least a day to like start writing a review after I complete a game if, if like if the deadline allows it and whatnot. But usually it's, it's usually good about that of like just thinking through, uh, through it instead of like, immediately writing my initial thoughts on paper like right off like like the moment i'm done in the game I speaking about that. review writing specifically like adam said some of the favorite games he's played were like after the the initial wave had passed some of my favorite some of my i think best reviews that i've written or like late like i think of elex or wasteland 3 i wrote those well after those launched and i just had time i, I wasn't against the clock i wasn't like in the swim of everyone yeah, else doing the same thing at the same time i could just really just play it on my pace digest it really think about it and like actually take the time to like say how do i truly feel about this rather than treating it like an assignment really Anyways, uh, Bravely Default Two is is actually pretty good, so <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm okay Wait, taking some time out of the podcast to to shout its praises. It's a pretty good game. Some people will say like I heard the story is kind of bland, and honestly, it kind of is. But I guess I just don't weigh that very heavily. Like that, my enjoyment of that game does not seed itself in a narrative presentation. It's all yeah, based like, on the job systems and the, uh, yeah. the the gameplay mechanics and all that. Personally, for me, like we were just talking about dungeon RPGs. Like, personally, for me, like it, like I, I value a game's gameplay systems and how they interact with each other, while having like you know an eh, story or characters or whatnot. I value like what I'm actually doing at like the minute, the minute to minute basis over like a game that has like might have like phenomenal characters and a story and, and whatnot. But if the ba- gameplay is not there, if I'm not really engaged in the gameplay, it's gonna it's still gonna be tough for me to get through it, even though. Like, you know, it may have, like, great characters, a great story and whatnot. Like, I think the the biggest, like, like the immediate series I think about, like, having that is .hack. I love .hack, but the gameplay was 
very bland and like i barely i, I barely dragged myself through that because it's like story. i like everything about this world except actually playing it <laughs> my for like, me that would probably be like xenosagas one and two like i really love the story focus of yeah. that game but they're just very very by the numbers rpg you could say maybe by three it's gotten pretty good but the first two are kind of slog i actually will argue that two is pretty interesting mechanically it's weird and not and kind of messy but anyway sometimes you need to be messy to be interesting yep all right so with that wrapped up we'll go into the news section so again, just kind of like last week, a bit of a hodgepodge, a lot of release dates, some platform announcements, uh, but a few a few game announcements. And right at the top is probably the biggest one for our site. Uh, earlier this week, two or three days ago, we had a Square Enix Presents. It was a Western-focused uh, event. So it did a, a bit of, did a bit of talk on uh, Marvel's Avengers, uh, some talk on a new Life is Strange titles and remasters, which I think look pretty good, by the way, as a uh, outsider to that series. But at the end... One last surprise is that they did throw in new information about Project Athia, which is now titled Forspoken, which is the new RPG from Luminous Studios at Square Enix. These are the developers that uh, behind Final Fantasy XV. Uh, we got a little bit of, of an introduction to the voice actor and mocap actress for the uh, protagonist, Frey Holland. And a little bit of gameplay snippet, not not a ton, but some you can get a, a little bit look at the traversal and the environment. Uh, so what did we think about this showing for for Spoken? It is looks Forspoken so cool. A real word. Can, can you can I go to can I open up a dictionary and see Forspoken in it? Is that a real word? I think it means to be like maybe I'm foretold like that, like like an olden foretold. That's well, awesome. we have we have computers. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, I, I didn't look it up. I I just I'm just asking out of curiosity. <laughs> I I still didn't look it up. I was like, I don't know. It looks sick. Like, British 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 English for speak is to be which, which is an interesting because uh, one one uh when the when PlayStation uploaded the trailer to their YouTube channel, they titled this Project Witch. Or was it just Witch, not even Project Witch? So Witch. maybe that was like a working title. Oh, yeah. uh -huh. And then Adam, how does that uh, tie into the old, like 2000, what, what was it, 2013, 12, Agni's philosophy okay. demo? All right, so if we want a little bit of history lessons, Square Enix released... I love the Adam a... history lessons. Square Enix <laughs> released uh, Agni's philosophy tech demo, like at the start of the last generation of consoles, like a real-time tech demo. So this this would have been like before Final Fantasy 15 or I don't you know versus 13 or whatever shortly after 13 really, um, and it was called Agni's Philosophy and they never said it was like this was like a game concept but it was just like a tech demo right, and then in 2015 they kind of follow followed up on that with with the same character Agni but then they called it like Project Witch Chapter Zero Cry or something like that you know very square. Um, Right. So I might have gotten it wrong, but can you blame me? Um, so, and people, you know, they see this concept and they loved it. And they're like, we want to see this as a video game. And generally the concept of this game was that like Agni was a witch uh, and she uh, like had magic powers and she was in some, you know, strange world against like various antagonists. So when we now see uh, Forspoken now, like, and apparently, according to that PlayStation trailer description, 
it was called which like is this what has emerged out of that tech demo obviously things have probably if so have changed a lot um but like maybe that concept was reshaped and mold you know into this new game so. Well, it's kind of like like the what what is the role of concept art? As long as an artist or a designer is inspired by it, it's done its job. And maybe that's the same as true as a tech demo. Like they mm-hmm. had like very loose framework of ideas. It doesn't mean like this is now the trailer for our new game. They can just use it as inspiration as a launching point, which ended up right. becoming Forspoken. So I guess there there's uh, several things about this uh, Forspoken announcement. Uh, uh, obviously, there's the new game by Luminous Productions. Uh, and that that was the the separate studio that Tabata uh, made a few years back. But then, uh, you know, so like I think maybe several months ago, Tabata finally uh, left Luminous Productions to go on to do other things. So now the the new head of studio is Takeshi Aramaki. He's also the director of Project Athia uh, as well, and he he wrote about you know everything that we spoke about on the PlayStation blog. Uh, and whatnot so th- it's very interesting because when you look when you watch that trailer and you look at the environment it's like oh that reminds me of final fantasy 15 sure. yeah. yeah it's a very empty barren wasteland hopefully there's more stuff going on but when you look like there's a certain look to final fantasy 15's environment like when, when i saw that trailer, i was like oh that reminds me of ff15 visually it's like similar like it's like similar cliff sides and vegetation and trees like it just it looks similar. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, wasn't this I, I, the same game where when some of the earliest concept art appeared they're like it takes place in the same place. Look, it looks similar. <laughs> no, yeah, it's like yeah, one, yeah. Of original, one of the original images has like those, those like arcing like land masses that would never exist naturally but they're in FF15. So it's like they're pretty they're pretty distinct and they're in that too. So it's like, huh. And I then, could have uh, sworn to uh, one of these one of these podcasts we did when that got announced. I must have said, I was like, oh, I bet this is Final yeah. Fantasy. I bet it. And then they revealed actual Final Fantasy 16. I was like, it's probably still Final Fantasy. It's probably like well, a, well, apparently a when this game was in development, they called it Project 16 to try to like cast a rug over what it was, whether this was Final Fantasy 16 or not, to try to like Damn muddy them. the waters. Yeah, I mean, we didn't mention it yet, but yeah, the the, the actress that's playing Frey Hall that is uh, Ella Belinska, and then her most notable role, for, like you know, according to the press release, you know, is from 2019's uh, Charlie's Angels film. So, I mean, she seems excited for it. I I, I really like what they've shown so far. It's really funny that, like, you know, when the trailer started, it's a it's a, it's a very like, you know, she gets transferred to another role, you know, in uh, in, in anime these days or in Japanese no. these days, you call it you call it an isekai. I was gonna and, say, and no her, one said the word yet. <laughs> okay, there it is. I know. Yeah, but she but she has a very natural reaction. To, you know, in the trailer, like a dragon fl- flies by trying to attack her. She's like, is that, is that a fucking dragon? It's like, of course you would say that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think even like all the, the the history aside, I think this looks really, really cool. And I, I'm a sucker for like movement systems in games. Like it's the main reason why Spider-Man has always been like my, oh my God, like put this in a game. And then I loved it when they did it for the PS4 and for Miles Morales. Like I love movement systems and this just looks so, so cool. Like it's so fast. Like I don't even need to see anything else about the game. Like just like just make it a movement thing. I'd be super happy. Yeah, the animations yeah. for movement like look pretty impressive in this game. You can kind of see the Final Fantasy 15 DNA a little bit in there with like the warp strikes. It's not quite the yeah, same, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. you can kind of you can kind of glean it. Yeah, so I'm, this is still coming out slated for 2022 for PS5, 
uh, NPC. I don't know if it's PS5 first, then PC. I, 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 there's some no, all, all we know. All we, know updated. all we know is that the trailer says 2022, and then like has the piece, the general PC logo, not any store logo. So, uh, not, uh, what are you thinking? Are you thinking of this coming to Epic Game Store? The uh, Square Enix is this one of the titles from from Square Enix coming to P, uh, Epic Games? Uh, yeah, Windows Store. Does that count? Wind- <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll just, you know, I don't think this is super surprising, but, like, we haven't really seen a whole lot about, like, like the combat in this game. There's, like, a few very small clips that they've shown of, like, the, the main character, Frey. She gets, like, some sort of, like, vine power that she can, like, have, like, vines, like, manifest and come out of the ground or whatnot. Like, very mm-hmm. quick clips, but we otherwise... You know it's an action RPG, and that's a, I guess that's another thing is they they never specifically called it an RPG before, and now they did. So whatever that means, what is an RPG these days? Damage numbers. <laughs> yeah. So it's gonna it's gonna have. We haven't really seen a lot about. Trees. We haven't seen a lot about how it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, three skill trees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, I'm there was obviously Final Fantasy 15 is not a great precedent to to compare your new project against. So you have to hope, like, obviously it's under a different director. Uh, it's just at the time, like that was before, like a, a lot of Final Fantasy XV's development was before like Luminous Studios was really established as its own thing. So you have to hope that the, that the situation is better, that the context around the game's development is more clarified so that they have, you know, better foresight into like, and they're going to avoid the development issues that fifteen had. So I'm trying to be optimistic. like. Yeah, I think it could be good. Yeah, I, I think I, I'll keep it in mind for sure. Like, it's uh, well, why not? Like, uh, I, I really, <laughs> you really know anything about it, George? You have <laughs> really seen anything about it? But yeah, it's uh, it's always cool to see a brand new IP come to the forefront and, and getting big production values. Yeah, I was actually talking about this with Alex. Like, um, once the, what's the last like Square Enix Japan game like a big AAA game that's been a new IP? They've had like their HD 2D stuff and they've had the Tokyo RPG Factory stuff, but that's not really the same, right? Like, this is no, like a big no. new IP. Like what else? What else qualifies from from, from Square Enix Japan recently? Like there's not a lot other than what I just mentioned. So it's kind of nice to see. Nothing um, comes to mind at like immediately. So yeah, it's right. Been, it's been, yeah. It feels like it's been a while. But yeah, that'll come out 2022. And we'll keep on top of it and see if it ends up being a surprisingly good hit. We've got a lot of traction on our social pages, so it seems like a lot of people are really interested in it. So hopefully it ends up delivering. Here was something that was just announced about a day ago. We finally got the launch date for Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD Remaster. Sorry, I murdered that. But I know this is something that Adam and Josh have really been excited about and looking forward to. Obviously, this released in Japan late last year. We knew it was coming. We didn't have a date. Now we do. It's coming out May 25th for Switch, PlayStation 4, and Steam. So right, what do we that, feel that, about tied, tied, to be, tied to be George. I'm hyped! Pretend <laughs> <laughs> to be shocked that it's coming to PC. Yeah, um, th- this is this is very exciting. Um, uh, you know, uh, like it coming to PC is awesome. Just having a, a finally a release date. We, have hope, we were hoping it was to be a little, a little bit, you know, sooner in the West, but you know, it's the pandemic uh, development situation, and whatnot. 
So I'll, I'll take it. I, I think the thing that, you know, still kind of bugs me out about this uh, announcement is that it's so, it's very pricey. Even even this the standard base version is $50 and then has this digital deluxe version that's $70. And then they're doing the whole Persona 5 Strikers thing where if you get the digital deluxe version, you get all this DLC with it along with, um, you get to play it like four days earlier and whatnot. So to really sweeten the offer, which is, I get it. I mean, I'm probably going to be a sucker and buy that version. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne is one of the best games of all time. So, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So I, I will gladly dip. And um, interesting things uh, to note about this. Uh, we already knew this uh, back in the, when it released on PS4 and Switch uh, back in Japan, but Dante is in this version, but you have to get a separate DLC for him. Yeah. So there you go. You can have Dante. Um, normally it would have uh, Raido Kuzunoha uh, in it. The interesting thing about the PC version is that it um, actually segregates uh, Raido uh, in in the PC release uh, through the Chronicle Pack. Obviously, if you if you buy the standard version, you'll still be able to get him. You get the Chronicle Pack for free, so it's actually designated as its own separate DLC, free DLC. But uh, I, I guess this means that. You can like theoretically play the base original version of Nocturne without the Amala Labyrinth, without the Fiends. Like there's a, the the first release of Nocturne in Japan that only ever came out in Japan. Like didn't have all that Amala Labyrinth and not and Fiends aspect to it. So I wonder if you can play that version on PC because te- technically you can just like flip the Chronicle Pack off, right? And, and mm-hmm. even in the Steam description of the Chronicle Pack, it's like it adds Rido and the Amala Labyrinth. Yeah, I'm not sure. So, like, I've never played the original Japanese PS2 release. Like, in in Nocturne, from the experience I played, eventually the model labyrinth just opens to you, and there's like cutscenes there and story there and whatnot. So, if you never download the Chronicle Pack on Steam, does that just like never happen? I guess. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, because like it's a fairly straightforward thing. Because like you you can definitely like there, like even you can. You can think about like Nocturne, like never just touching that at all. You're just always at the surface level uh, on Earth and whatnot. And then even in the in that pack, like if you don't get the Amala Labyrinth content, you don't have the True Demon ending either, uh, mm-hmm. as well. In that, so that's interesting. And and, uh, and we were we were kind of thinking about like why would they do this for the PC version? But you know, like uh, several people on social media reached out to me. It's like, oh, it's because the Rido is actually banned in South Korea. So that's a region regional thing of like why oh, they have why? to segregate it like this. Because I, I don't know I don't know the specifics of like South Korean law, but because of uh, Rido's depiction of an imperialist Japan that apparently uh, violates regulations in South Korea media of like uh, imperialist Japan portrayal and whatnot. So I don't know like the the, the nitty gritty, but that's that's my understanding of it. Um, other than that, with this release, there's also as we mentioned, there's the, the Dante DLC you can get. Uh, there's the there's this cheat DLC like there was an SMT4 where you can grind for money and experience. They have uh, stuff like that and BGM packs that adds like there's you also know, there's also a free like easier mode DLC. Right, the merciful merciful difficulty, and then the BGM original game is pretty tough. Some people argue like it's not actually tough. You just have to know what you're doing, but it's pretty tough. Uh, like, yeah. yeah, it's pretty yeah. tough. <laughs> uh, no, no way to go around that. It's yeah. It's uh can, can get brutal if you don't know what you're doing for sure. So they, you know, just like here's an easier mode, optional, you know, 
which I think is, you know, it's always a good thing to do because some people don't like being stressed out playing a game like this. So in in the in the trailer that they released for it, was that the first time you heard the English voiceovers, or was that an earlier? No, trailer? that was the original. Okay. Um, All right. Announcement, which is actually kind of interesting that like when this was originally announced, they had like English voices ready to go at least for the trailer. Um, uh, I think it sounds pretty good in English. Like I think you know they're hitting a pretty good tone with what I kind of attribute with the tone of Shimagami Tensei Nocturne. So I'm interested to see. It's it's one of those things like the original game did not have voices, and I would even say now like I don't think it really needed voices, but I'm kind of yeah. interested to hear him just to see it. Me too. When you have like characters that like when they don't have a voice, you kind of imagine in your head what they should sound like. And of course, everyone is going to have a different idealized version in their head of like what a character sounds like. And then like when you add add an actual voice to them, that's that's so many different idealized versions and everyone's different in in different people's heads. It's going to be like no longer there. So, I mean, you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, it's always tricky. It was it, it was kind of the same, it was kind of similar with like uh, um, the Radiant Historia on 3ds. Yes. Um, I th- I felt that most of the voices in that game were pretty good, but like as a key example of one that I felt like was completely off the mark was uh, Viola in that game. I'm like, why does Viola sound like this? She should not sound like this. Not according to the perfect version in my head, you know. <laughs> So you always run that risk. With so, this, your, so your opinion on the voice acting is just how many of your mind's ears, imaginations well, are it's compromised. The, it's the same when like you have like a book turned into a movie, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Portrayal of a of a character from an actor is you know, is always going to be like someone's like that's not how I envision this character. So it's similar. Like, uh, yeah, it's also because like in the context of Nocturne too, like Nocturne already has like a like a very unique atmosphere to, around it. Like right. very very few games like can hit. So it has like this dreary, somewhat dreadful, melancholic, post-apocalyptic like, mood that like not really any game can really emulate. So it's just like like it being muted, uh, completely muted as well. Aside from some BGM, like it just it, it felt so good, so right at the time. Like I, I still don't know if I'm gonna play with voices or not. I have no idea. Right. Um, <laughs> that's the thing because I really love that mood. Mood. Along with the when they announced the this as well, uh, Atlas the Atlas Twitter uh, put up a video from uh, Atlas director Kazuyuki Yamai. You know, kind of talking about like announcing the PC version uh, for this release. And it's funny that like they're uh, for sure when they're like recording this, like you need to say something that'll like appeal to our modern target audience. What do you say? It's like, it's also the RPG. That's like the Keystone RPG title that served as the basis for persona five. It's like, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> sure. Uh, let, let's clarify that that's like tenuous at best. Like yeah. some shared DNA. Sure. But is it the basis of persona five? Not really. <laughs> No freaking way! <laughs> it was, that was like the, the stuff funny. That was a really funny remark. <laughs> Did we guys uh, talk about how when this game released in Japan, it had some technical issues, and now oh. it seems like they have mentioned that post-release patches for the Japanese version have been implemented and as fixes for this launch. So hopefully, it'll be a better experience out the gate compared yeah, to last hopefully- year's. The, the the that was the main issue with last year's uh, release of it in Japan, right? When it came out on PS4 and Switch, people quickly realized, oh, this port to the Unity engine has not been graceful at all. There was, you know, uh, me- like input lag. There was like the the like the menu lag in the Fusion sy- system. It took a bit from uh, 
uh, like demons to pop up. Uh, and then people were like uh, also still kind of um, mixed on like, oh, this still doesn't offer like the uh, the quality of life option to manually pick my skills. So as more and more patches uh, came out for the Japanese version, uh, they eventually I don't know if it's it's completely ironed out, but they're like there's definitely less bugs in it now. It's it operates way better than it did at launch. Uh, on that end, I don't know if everything's been pa- uh, like fixed on that end yet, but uh, they also added the quality of life option to either um, when you're fusing, you can manually choose skills like in modern Persona titles, and and uh, and I think SMT4 and SMT Apocalypse as well. You yeah. could do that. Um, they also added the option to just manually shuffle skills. So if you don't want to manually pick skills, you want to still somewhat emulate the original experience. You don't have to um, go in and out of the fusion. Uh, the Cathedral of Shadows room, uh, like in the original, to like uh, quote unquote shuffle it again. Again, there's just a, a shuffle option in the actual uh, Demon Fusion uh, interface itself. It's like, oh, I don't like this set of skills. Uh, 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 shuffle it again, and then you can just shuffle it. Basically, if, if you it, were going to do a hard reload anyway, we'll just cut out the cut out the gap middleman. and just give you a shuffle option. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm probably just gonna. Keep like the manual skill inheritance because it's there. I mean, I'm not not gonna use it. Uh, like uh, like Adam and I have been talking about. It's like obviously on the surface, it's objectively correct to like you know offer this feature because it was bullshit back then. It would still bullshit now, but there that was kind of like the risk reward of it as well back then. Of like I could sit here and like waste another hour trying to get the perfect skills for this demon. Or I can just like compromise on like like getting three fourths of the way there and moving on with the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in our hearts, we know this is the right option, but still. they sound like crazy people. Like we had to struggle. <laughs> like you had to put effort in to get the to get the best skill lineup. You had you know you had to you had to roll the dice <laughs> to get it. Really? Now you can just do it. I know it's not it's not fair. It's, it was only for the fate of heart back then. Even though we're just like just <laughs> this is. I don't, even, I don't even know how we you can't rationalize this. Sorry. We can't rationalize this. Like we, we... <laughs> it it sounds like Stockholm syndrome to me. You guys suffered, so you want everyone else to suffer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And people were hoping that during one of the concert events that happened last night that we might hear news about Shin Megami Tensei 5. Uh long story short, we didn't, at least not in terms of a release window or date. So well. We were yeah, only two. Implied that the composer for Shin Megami Tensei Five is going to be Kazuka. I forget his first name. Um, who was the composer for Shin Megami Tensei Four? Uh, who did a pretty good job. So um, that's it. That's fine to hear. Yeah, uh, Four had like banger OST, so I'm more than happy for him to return. To be clear, Nocturne was largely done by Meguro, who is now doing who did Persona Five. So kind of from three to four, there was like a composer change in. SMT series, so they'll just continue with that. So two weeks ago, we talked about the big formal unveiling of Mistwalker's Fantasian. And this week, we got some information from uh, Umatsu and from uh, Sakaguchi about just the characters in the world. So we just I just spent a little bit of time earlier dunking on like how I don't like to read this stuff. And here I am going to do it anyways, because that is my role. But anyways, we got a little bit of the premise of the game here and a bunch of different character bios. So I'll just go ahead and read the very basic premise. 
So in order to find his missing father, the protagonist, this is the white-haired person in the concept art, his name is Leo, explores the multidimensional world by making use of various things he has discovered around the world. He awakens with no memories from a massive explosion in a strange world Um, that caused another world to be ruled by... by, Yes, he has has amnesia, and he's in a world ruled by machines. He's reunited with... He's a guy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, amnesia isekai, uh, post-apocalyptic. It hits all all the notes. He's reunited with a woman named Kina, his only person he remembers. And then the other artwork and, and characters include like Cheryl, uh, Zinikir, Tan, Ez. So these are kind of non-standard names, and what? we have we have a little bit of uh, like a, a couple lines for each of the characters. So the main two are Leo and Kina. They're the two that remember each other. Uh, basically. The whole premise of the game is that they uh, explore this multidimensional world and they seek to basically restore Leo's memories, figure out what happened, etc. And again, this is coming out on Apple Arcade from Mistwalker. So I don't know if you've got any more uh, inclination to drill deeper into uh, kind of what they've unveiled about the story premise and characters here. I, I don't know what it says about me. I, I, maybe I'm just being unfair, but... I'm more interested in the development of Fantasia and like the like the behind the scenes than like the actual game itself. If I'm yeah. being completely I, honest, I like I really like the diorama like approach to it. I'm like, man, that's really cool. But I'm just like, I, mean, I would rather watch a Fantasia documentary of like the the development of the game than playing the game. <laughs> I'm well, there's a little bit of the. Um... The Famitsu article that revealed this information, we got a little bit from Umatsu, who, again, this is kind of seems like it might be his last major work as a composer, where he talked about how he first met Sakaguchi, about working on the first Final Fantasy, about uh, as we get older, how we evaluate how much time we have left in our lives, uh, you know, and how he wasn't he was planning in 2019 to like retire from composing. But obviously he was convinced to come back to work on Fantasian. So there's there's a little bit of behind the scenes stuff that we have. Yeah. Uh, Kite Steinbuck did the translation for us in the uh, from the Femitsu article over into our article on on our site. So go ahead and give it a read. There is a little nuggets. It's mostly focused on characters and premise, but there is a little bit of uh, development back, you know, behind the scenes stuff in there as well. I'm still thinking about getting an Apple TV just for this game. It's a bad thought, but I'm really I really want to like just I'm just so curious about it. Honestly, and the I, fact that. Uh, he's doing the soundtrack, like the full soundtrack. That alone has me like way more interested in this game because it's been a long time since. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Like I know you read it all the time. It's Nobuo Umatsu. Uematsu. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like it's been a long time since he's done like a full OST for a game. Like what? Like Blue Dragon? Maybe ten years ago? More than ten years ago? He's done like he's like contributed to new games and of course like he's the basis behind like final fantasy 7 remake obviously with the originals but it's been a long time since he's done like a full ost like brand new so i'm kind of i think it said like more than 60 tracks at least from yeah, him. It's, it's, that it's alone is like I, I i i don't know if this is kind of almost like dickish of me to say but i almost feel like he's almost underappreciated now because it's been a while but like some of like the stuff he's done, done like on final fantasy's like nine and earlier are still like really really good they're timeless uh, right so like it's nice to see, to see what he like what what will like maybe this be his like his final performance if you will uh so i'm interested in that by the way josh uh, i didn't realize this but uh kite and adam on our news post for this have a gallery specifically for fantasian diorama photographs 
So yeah. a whole bunch of, um, if you're listening to this right now, go, go to our website, go to the story about Mistwalker detailing Fantasian and go ahead and look at these diorama photographs. They are so detailed and we don't usually get to see stuff like this. Uh, it's a very unique approach to game design and having that be the basis of their environments. This is like, I'm just clicking through the images right now and man, this stuff is neat. Little tiny bookcases and they're like detailed to like down to like, I don't have obviously a great sense of scale, but like down to like millimeters. Just this will insane. this will have the this will have the most realistic environments of uh 2021. Yep. This almost feels like like you have like the Final Fantasy 789 where they have like the pre-rendered backgrounds, where this is just kind of like an analog version of that, where it's like we're, we're you know, we don't need a computer, we just let's just make the damn oh, thing. Literally, <laughs> literally handmade backgrounds. Yeah, so really Fine, cool I'll do stuff. It myself. <laughs> <laughs> we also got news this week about an upcoming game for Dragon Quest Die, which is the currently running anime, which is a new rendition of an older manga from the early 90s. So a mobile game, Dragon Quest the Adventures of Die, a Hero's Bond, was announced for mobile devices, uh, worldwide release coming uh that's that's, the, that's one of the more interesting parts is that this is a worldwide release like time simultaneous i don't know if they've actually like specifically said simultaneous but like you rarely see that with mobile games and they talk oh, about yeah, how there's a closed sure. beta Especially test Phoenix. the closed beta test will take place uh australia canada england france japan new zealand and singapore so no us there that's kind of interesting obviously there's ways to work around that but this is one thing that i was confused about when i saw this is that this is not infinity stretch which is the other game project based on the adventures of die do i have that correct yeah that's the console game in development for uh, oh. for die so yeah so, this is uh th this is exciting like it like it's weird for this to be like the title that seemingly is gonna um be a worldwide release we don't know yet they hasn't been confirmed but it, it's like this when they're talking about like oh this is like the supported languages coming for this like release it's like oh english japanese and like i think was it french and something else um yep. yeah it's uh it's cool i've been i've been kind of uh starting to catch up on that new anime adaptation of uh of die and like it's still a really fun story like i really enjoy it so i looked so it up I'm, to educate myself but the original manga ran from 89 to 96 it had an original uh anime adaptation in the early 90s and then starting in october of last year and i believe currently running it's got a second yep. adaptation uh, a 26 episode series so I guess they're yeah. bringing it back, and they've got now two game projects for it. This mobile game, uh, which is called A Hero's Bonds, and then Infinity Strash, which again, Strash is a strike slash slash. A strike slash 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 slash. Strash. Uh, just so, to be for the record, that game has actually not been officially announced for localization. Yeah, the yeah, Infinity Strash. Yeah. yeah. Mobile game, yeah. Look, I know, I get it. A lot of people are like, but what is this weird title, Infinity Strash? It's like you gotta you gotta watch it or uh, read it to find that. Stra that means something, man. For people who've been following this, it's like, oh yeah, Infinity oh. Strash, hell yeah. Well, it's like when if you don't know anything about a Dragon Ball game, you hear Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, you're like, what the heck's a Kakarot? But like, if you <laughs> if you watch it, you it's like that. It's also important to note that the this new uh, these new uh, die projects for Dragon Quest, like they they don't have Sugiyama as the composer anymore. Like for the anime, and I think for Infinity Strash, they're having uh, Yuki Hayashi as the main composer for them. So 
for uh, both the trailer know. for uh, Strash and a Heroes Bonds, I'm like, man, this sounds great, uh, and I can feel the, the, good about like thinking that. Yeah, the, the the music is great in the anime. I love it. Um, yeah, and just yeah, for, for people who don't know, I mean, we're not gonna belabor this again and again, but like you know, it's it's come out for a good number of years now. That Sugiyama, not not a great individual. Mm, they're putting it lightly, but yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're softening the blow here, but yeah. I know. Any the further away he gets from Dragon Quest now, the better. So. Yes, and it seems like that's already underway, so we don't have to. It's not. It's not all just wishful thinking. It is. It is seemingly at least at least for these die projects in practice as well. I, I guess also like uh, the, now that we're on the subject too, it's been interesting to see that the uh, at least as far as like uh, Japanese regulations go, like they're 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 starting to open up to like you know having uh, streamers, YouTubers like sign up for this program or something to like be able to uh like it'll permit you to uh post and monetize like dragon uh videos of the dragon quest series like if you're doing a let's play for your youtube for example like they're they're opening up uh stuff to that on a similar note with the information from fantasian earlier we got some information from Nomura about the upcoming Final Fantasy VII remake, Intergrade, and again talking about its Nomura. premise and its characters. Yes, Nomura. So I get so a little bit less here because obviously Final Fantasy VII and both that and remake are more of a known quantity at this point than Fantasian. But it does talk about uh, Yuffie and her role in the new TLC sto- uh, story chapter. Sonan, who is obviously a new original character, and a little bit about his concept. Uh, and then some more like nuts and bolts. They do mention that this is really the only DLC plan for Final Fantasy VII Remake. After this, they're moving on to working on the follow-up, the sequel. So basically, it seems like the PS5 version slash whenever apparently that year-long exclusivity period ends, we might see it other places. People have murmured about it for a while. I guess we just got to wait one more month to see what comes to fruition. Uh, but that'll be the complete game once this Yuffie interlog or whatever is added to it. Uh, there will be new materia and summons. Uh, All right, so who are the new summons? Uh, l- l- let's go. Take guesses. Who are the new summons? Sora. All right. All right. I'm just wishful thinking. Uh, All right, Shion from the bouncer, then. There you go. That's my guess. How about Donald Duck? Are we going to get some Knights of the Round here? Or is it not? Or is it still still too soon? Where's our Knights of the Round mm-hmm. stomach? Well, I know they they have already given us Ifrit, and we haven't even been on the boat yet. So they've they've already messed with the order of summon acquisition in the original game. So who knows? All right. We we didn't get Odin yet, right? So no Odin. No so time for Odin. But as as it was kind of described earlier, Sonon is not control controllable. He has two different control modes, one where he acts independently and one where he follows Yuffie's commands to do like combo attacks. Uh, Sonon is from Utai. He's working directly with Avalanche. And if you've played Final Fantasy VII Remake in one of the earlier chapters, they do kind of talk about how like there's a Wutai branch of Avalanche. It's kind of weird. I don't think it's really told that well, but they kind of like purposely left it open to try to expand the scope of the original game about like what avalanche is and how the cell that we come to know for years now is just like a certain sector of it so i guess this is kind of they're, they're bringing obviously the wutai stuff which was often like shunted away into like optional territory in the original game into being part of the main narrative thrust and this kind of conflict between shinra and wutai so 
I don't know. Like, I'm still kind of skeptical that this DLC, like, I've seen too many DLC chapters talk up, like, the scope, and they end up being, like, a three-hour, four-hour forgettable kind of thing. Sorry, the Dragon Quest XI-esque character stories, like, that was just sort of like, eh, okay. Yeah. That was, like, a big, like, selling point for, like, that. Like, you get new character stories in the Switch version, and they were, like, not bad. It's just, like, literally, it's just, like, literally, like, a two-hour thing out of a 100-hour game. So, like, oh, okay. Anyway, so I'm trying to be optimistic sorry. and I do want to get a PS5 before this game comes out, presuming it's not coming out anywhere else. Uh, so I guess this is this is fine. I think this is smart. It's something new to kind of re-energize excitement while they still have most of their studio working, obviously, on this on the follow up. So I'm OK on it. Uh, no matter I, they talk a- Go ahead. Dave. I absolutely do not believe that this isn't game ported to PC at the same time. It's just they're probably waiting to announce it until after that technical like one year of exclusivity fast yeah i'm with you i just don't don't want to say it's a a sure thing when it's not a sure thing even if it's all but confirmed uh so i mean i think it do i do think it'll come to pc but i don't know if it'll be at the same time as the ps5 version like maybe later i don't know is it it epic game store or (laughs) epic game store all square enix games coming well square enix is just so schizophrenic like like about so the Kingdom Hearts games are Epic Game Store exclusive. Uh, the, the good of version of Miratomda is uh, Windows, Windows Store exclusive, and, and then like the Mana remake is coming to Steam. Like it's just, it just it just seems like they're throwing darts. <laughs> There's no real plan, so who knows? I wonder if I mean this is probably not that you know insightful speculation, but I wonder if Epic Games or just like shelled out a ton of money to get Kingdom Hearts. Like, please, please, just give us Kingdom Hearts. And Karen is like, oh, sure. Are you <laughs> sure you like, don't want Saga Frontier Remastered? <laughs> I've, How about that? I've heard people say that it might not have been necessarily a money hat and more of the fact that Unreal Engine is uh, getting more and more use in the film industry, so they might have been able to grease some hands that way on the Disney side of things. Hmm. Well, what about Stadia, guys? Obviously, seven remake on Stadia. What about Stadia, Brian? What about Stadia? (laughs) That's what Stadia says. What about Stadia? (laughs) I mean, mean, look, uh, Stadia's got judgment. Everyone, fuck off. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Dragon Quest Eleven literally was announced for Stadia like within the last week. Stadia's, you know, it it's almost fitting that Stadia gets these late releases when it's a streaming platform of inherent latency. Judgment's Uh gonna save Stadia. All right, so I'm going to jump ahead in our planned news rotation. Uh, Dragon Quest XI S is coming to Stadia, or is now available on Stadia. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I think game, uh, game of the uh, year, uh, time uh, to give uh, it another 10 out of a 10. Before we, before we jump off of F7, there, there is some interesting news about Ever Crisis that did come out of this Famitsu interview, too. You're like, skipping yeah, over did, First Soldier? I mean, we didn't really talk about <laughs> much. For, uh, all right, uh, here's your First Soldier. There's, there's going to be a closed beta test that they have planned. There you go. It has a okay, job system. The thing about the, the thing about First Soldier that I found actually kind of amusing was like when they were talking about like why make a battle royale game, Nomura basically just sort of admitted, like, you know what? Battle royales are popular. <laughs> like, that's why we're making it. Because it's popular. Uh, it's I mean, like that fun game where Mr. Cramps is like, I like money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, why not? You know, like they didn't really share too much about this uh, new info. Like they, they did say like you know there's no, there's not gonna be like a, a job system in first soldier, but there's gonna be like a style system where 
like it will will reinforce like you know how you want to play and then however you play matches will there'll be like a system for you that like will enhance your abilities based on your play style and whatnot it's just okay sure why not i guess uh it's hard it's hard to really say well like what they're what they're planning about this game until we see more footage about this game because it's so out there you Weird. know all right that's yeah. now we can go on to ever crisis yeah so they they did confirm that everyone speculated like, is this gonna have a gotcha is it not so they did confirm that you do get new characters for free as you play through this game but there is a gotcha system tied to like weapons for this game. So you're so like like uh the city Yeah. The thing about this is if you remember, weapons have materia slots uh, as well. So I, maybe that's the real value mm-hmm. of uh rolling the gotcha is like, hey, I want like good materia slots on like certain weapons and whatnot, or like what like the high rarity weapons might oh, I see like, what you mean. Yeah. Yep, like yep. oh wow, I need like auto cure and it's like no pay money but i could I, I don't really play games like this but could you run into a trap where it's like i really want to use tifa but i never get any good you know fist weapons i can't actually use her so i you you would hope that they're designing like the main story of the of ever crisis or their main progression to like be doable without having to engage with the gotcha system like an upcoming release to steam which is, has already been on mobile another eden you know that that's a game designed to, like you can go through the main story of that of another eden without ever having to roll the gotcha like the characters they give you that you recruit along the way are sufficient enough to get through that as long as you, like you know you you grind them you uh you keep up to date with their weapons and equipment and whatnot so i mean it's it's possible that that's how they're going to do it where you'll be fine if you just want to do main progression but they did include more details about ever crisis where there'll be a separate uh mode where you can go through special dungeons and battles that are like outside like the timeline outside the, the main progression of of this and you can have like your dream party like say you want like zach cloud um uh, dirt of cerberus uh vincent era uh and whatever and you can have them, genesis uh, yes and genesis party together <laughs> to tackle this so like you can like have like your own custom party and then you assume that like the more challenging optional content in ever crisis will like you know that's what you're going to have to roll the gotcha for, like good stuff, because you know that that's uh, we want to monetize this well as well. Uh, and so I imagine that's how they're going to incorporate it. They also mentioned that in this Ever Crisis uh, interview they had with Fumetsu is that this is going to be weird. So they're trying to fit the story of the orig- original FF7, the original PS1 release FF7. They're going to try to fit that into ten chapters, and then the the Midgar escape will occur in chapter three. Hmm. <laughs> I, I'm just like, how long what? are these chapters? I don't know. <laughs> That's weird. By the way, my favorite that. thing about the Ever Crisis is the artwork. It's like a very Nomura type style, like almost like Dissidia. But I guess the artist is Riza Fujise. I might be pronouncing okay. that wrong. But uh, I can't find what else she's worked on. Uh, but just if this is her first major project, it seems like uh, just it had, like when it does, it's almost like the classic game. Uh, it almost has the same like chibi sort of models, only up res and it looks like cleaner and has like the, the nice 2D portraits to go with it. And it just I think it just looks really nice. Like I know like the high fidelity character models of remake people love generally, but there's something just kind of quaint and simplistic and clean about what they have in Ever Crisis. I'm like, you know what? This looks really nice. I would I would play through a reimagining of Dirge of Cerebus with this artwork. Like, why not? So, 
simplistic and clean, you say? Uh, All right. So George, there are other new details. You're not allowed here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, um, another interesting tidbit about this Ever Crisis stuff is that there's gonna be completely new original episodes to it. Doctor Speed, like, uh, like uh, covering the compilation of FF7 stuff. Like they said, like one of the first new episodes will be the story behind uh, FF7, the first soldier, the battle royale. So, <laughs> like, if you want your story mode in FF in the first soldier. Go play Ever Crisis to find out, I guess. Just okay, sure. I don't know. This is such a weird project. The fact that also it's like not actually starting until 2022 and like it's going to have, you know, updates. Like this, this is like a long term thing here. This whole FF7 project. And yeah, in a way, Ever Crisis is like the most interesting of the projects. And I still I, I stand by that. Yeah. I wish it, it was kind of mobile. Yeah, it is kind of weird, like, though, that like Final Fantasy Remake, I think we all kind of first imagined it as like this separate, like new starting point for Final Fantasy VII. And then all the old stuff was almost kind of like expanded universe Star Wars, where it's like, yeah, it's there, it exists, but here's a new starting point. And then Ever Christ is like, nope, we're bringing it all back into the fold, especially with like the stuff with uh, the Deep Ground Soldiers with the Yuffie uh, trailer. So it's like, oh, nope, yeah. it's all as relevant as it ever was, apparently. So it so, seems so, like that's so, just the it, space we're in. Is it my time to have to carry Ever Crisis for the site? Because I, I, I play gotcha games. This is it. This is my yep. destiny. Oh, yes. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. You you've already got this. the earmarked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll move on from there. So this, I have not looked at this because honestly, I've not really been interested in this much at all, even though I was a few months ago. Cyberpunk's patch 1.2. We got some details about the upcoming changes to the delayed update to this much maligned game. So I will just read the first bullet of this change log here for the upcoming patch. Police spawning and response adjusted. After coming into much criticism, the police response has been adjusted so that police don't spawn on top of unwanted players. So but, right. So this maybe this maybe I'm just a boring player. But when I play, I don't think I, the police spawn very rarely for me in Cyberpunk. Like you have to like either accidentally run into someone or want to go cause trouble to get them to spawn. Yeah, so like, I, I, like there's so much other stuff that could be fixed first, in my opinion. Like I, I don't like. I almost feel like I want to give this update its due diligence, but I just kind of want to like allow a bunch of these to stack up before I really think about coming back to this game. I don't yeah, want to like. I don't want to do like piecemeal. Like, oh, X and Y was fixed, but Z and W are outstanding, you know, or whatever. Uh, but all right, let me go into like clerical mode and actually talk about what patch one point two has. So they do, they did do adjustments to driving and added some options to steering sensitivity. I think I even talked on this podcast about. Uh, the game felt its worst to me during those like driving mini games. Like this was so unnecessary. It doesn't feel good. Like this, like, I don't know, which feels weird to say that because driving and all the vehicle collection was just a big part of the marketing, even about like all the, all the companies they had partnerships with, but they are, they're adjusting driving. They're even adjusting it so that it feels better, even on lower spec PCs. Like it says it should feel like good, consistent steering from 20 FPS and up. So I actually do think that's kind of nice to have that in mind, have like, how do we make this feel good for people who are not running this on RTX GPUs or whatever? Um, They've changed how dodging works. 
They added options to unstick vehicles that get marooned. So if you end up in a place where your vehicle is trapped and you can't move, you can... Uh, uh, hmm? Just to be clear, I don't think this patch is actually out yet. Like, and they well, haven't yeah. It. <laughs> yeah, this is just this is just like the preview change log. Right. So it, I just think it's interesting. It's like it's not like these have been fixed yet. They're just like here are some fixes that are coming. So, just, so just okay. Have they the even road... given us like a release window for this? No, uh, I, think not, so. I mean, they'd be used to until they got hacked, and then that brought pushed back plans. Yeah. So who knows right now? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay, uh, they did not give any release window for this, so kind of a weird, I guess, I guess they just didn't want to be radio silent, so they just wanted to kind of throw a bone. So here it is. Not much more to say on it, so I guess we'll move on. Cyberpunk, what a sad story. I know, imagine, imagine thinking like two years ago, not much to say on Cyberpunk, let's move on. Like that's, that's literally crazy to me. All right, so here's something that uh, we had talked about this when you guys were talking about Strangers of Sword City earlier, and I'm going to need your help to kind of introduce this topic because it wasn't covered on our site yet. But a new experience RPG, which is that's the developer behind those uh, dungeon RPGs, was announced for Switch. Monster Wo Taoshite Tsuyo Kenya Yore. I probably yeah. murdered that, but. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it is a long time. It's like a monster wo Taoshite. According to Gamatsu, it's defeat monsters to get strong swords and armor. We believe in the day that heroes will defeat the demon lord. <laughs> and then the abbreviation for the, the abbreviation for this whole game that's like crazy long is Monyu. <laughs> All right, so tell me about this. I bet this is the guy. This yeah, this this just screams like light novel like title. It does. Oh yeah. man. Um, the, the, I guess this is their next big project because a lot of the um, staff from the Undernauts uh, are working on it. Uh, Mota doing character designs, Akifumi Yamamoto doing monster awesome. designs. Can't can't wait to see this in the year twenty twenty five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's they, they haven't shown much of it yet. Uh, they, like they have another live stream for it like next weekend. Uh, That'll fully show it off, I guess. But it, it, it's kind of just like, hey, you know, this is our next big project. We're uh, we're working on it, and you know, it's not. It's at least at the very least, it it doesn't feel like a mess like under knots was. Like they have like, uh, a clear vision. Like this will be for Switch. It's coming out uh, this summer in Japan, and it's not going to be like a weird under knots situation. Like, well, we're gonna try to target Xbox One years later. Okay, we're gonna still gonna release for Xbox One first, then PS4 and Switch later? Question mark. And it's like. At least this this seems to be a more coherent project from the outset. I'll be honest. So when I'll I first start... started reading that title, I read like the first six words, and then I started like skimming ahead. I'm like, oh shit. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of experienced games, they they kind of bounce around art styles a little bit, but they have a few that are sort of like like Western inspired, like Stranger of Sword City, and also. I don't know what you would call the art style in Undernauts. It's not anime art style, not really. It's like I don't know what would you. It, what, how would you describe that? It's basically the a similar like art style to yeah. It's like a similar art style to what the uh, um, Spirit Hunter games have. Yeah, it's like more like realistic traditional Japanese art. But this new game is sort of like the the art style and the character artists. It's kind of like more like cartoony kind of chibi colorful you know that's sort of it's interesting that they just kind of mix it up here and there so 
Kind of reminds me of Etrian Odyssey. Yeah, it's got that chibi style to it and color. Same with the monster design. Like the character designer and the monster designer are two different people, but the monsters are still kind of like they're not they're not as like like gothic as some of the other games. They're more yeah. colorful. So so hopefully this game, po- yeah, yeah, hopefully so. this podcast is still going on in three years when maybe we'll have time to play it. We'll see. Stay tuned forever. Well, what will come out this first? This or a new Etrian Odyssey? Uh, this for sure. Absolutely <laughs> okay. this. Sadly, this. <laughs> All right. The rest of the news slate is a lot of date announcements, a lot of little piecemeal patches and things like that. We'll just go through it and see where the natural stopping points are. Uh, we have a few updates for Assassin's Creed Valhalla announced. So I don't know if Adam and Josh are the only ones that can really tell us about the significance of this. So I guess there was a free festival event, the Ostara Festival, that was added with patch 1.2. It also introduced the ability to transmog armor so that you could basically treat your looks and stats independently, which is something every RPG should do by default. And they also announced the first DLC pack, which is Wrath of the Druids, which is coming April 29th. So is there any excitement about this? Um, transmog is cool, I guess. Oh, um, every game should know. have transmog. It was a selling point. <laughs> so you don't play uh, definitive edition. Definitive, yeah, yeah. I've I've, I've fallen off Valhalla. I don't know if I'm, I should return. Adam, I think you're the only game person that's played it to completion. So, Adam, you got to speak up. I mean, I don't. I played Valhalla, but I don't care about the <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Me too. I'm like okay. Uh, like there was like a, there was like a winter Yuletide event. I just completely ignored it, and now there's like a spring event. I'm just like I don't care. I, I played the expansion when it comes out, but like the, so uh, they announced right, the expansion date, but we don't really have any details about it. All right, I, I want if you if you're if you're listening right now and you like Assassin's Creed Valhalla events, get at us like a uh, comment on our our official site or on YouTube or wherever. We want to hear from you. If you really like Assassin's Creed Valhalla's events. Tell us why they're the best thing ever. I hate to break it to you, Josh, but you're going to just get complaints because apparently uh, Ubisoft had to roll back some of the event stuff because it was breaking the game and causing crashes. (laughs) Uh, Tell us why they're they're the best thing ever. (laughs) One thing that I thought was interesting is that the Wrath of the Druids, which is as part of the season pass, or standalone standalone it's 24.99 which is i think is quite a that's the most i think i've ever seen for a single dlc chunk segment episode whatever you want to call it it's 25 no, bucks no, no. kingdom hearts remind like 30 dollars and that's i believe that was ex- even that i was, was like, yeah we talked we talked about that then didn't, didn't we you're right that's a good that's a good are we are we in the age of twenty five thirty dollar DLC packs? I'm so I'm still like my mind is still like stuck in like two thousand nine where it's like five bucks. I, I, yeah, I mean like expansion packs ex- expansion packs used to be pretty pricey too. So oh yeah, well, I mean back, back I mean they like still technically and, are because like Iceborne was forty bucks, but I I mean yeah. that had just as much content as the base games. So yeah, then like, then you start I, going I into like the weeds of modern what's an episode, what's an know, like if it's how how sizable this is going to be. Same here. I have no idea. I don't know. What Adam, the... you have to play this so that we can speak to it on an educated level. Uh, I, wa- I, want obligated. Review, <laughs> I want a review of every Assassin's Creed Valhalla event on the site. So, good luck. <laughs> he just defeated. He just got up and left. 
<laughs> I haven't. I haven't even. We never reviewed the base game. <laughs> well, we, what did we? What did we say? We said sometimes your best stuff is when you are late to the party. So here's your chance. <laughs> Especially when it's a really Bahala. great late I mean, review for Bahala. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right, on to more interesting topics. We have a release date for Dragon. Sorry, Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance, which was the action RPG announced two years ago at the game awards so we got a gameplay trailer as well as a release date of june 22nd now this trailer is like really bad it's like a music just video. like the announcement <laughs> oh yeah remember the announcement trailer where it was just like a weird music video over like a weird trailer it was just weird just thoroughly and then like this... a, was it like a godsmack song <laughs> over it i forgot so and they they did something similar here where I, I'm like I don't even want to listen to it. I'm watching the trailer right now on mute, which makes it actually look like a decent action game. Like oh, you know what I could jive with this, but they have like this weird like song from like ten years ago on it, or I don't know, I don't even I don't know like what the song is. I'm not familiar with it, but it just very edge lordy, very like marketing to like teenagers or something. It's just a bad trailer. <laughs> uh, tell me about this, George. Oh, I actually don't. Let, let me oh. let me. Skip uh, ahead. Okay. All, all right. The, the, uh, yeah. The, I, I want to. I don't. I want to know. I want to know. This marketing is working on Zoomers. Is this? Is this uh, the future of marketing right here? Uh, I <laughs> Give me a minute. Keep talking. Find, find some... What are we gonna talk about? Dark Alliance. It's like, it's like <laughs> I don't know. They they hit stuff like, and then uh, I guess there's hit impact, and then uh, so I played Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. Like the original Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. Yes. But one second. Is, I want like to inter interrupt you, Adam. It's just that. Th so that's something that I think is a key point that I'm stating this almost for my own clarity. There was Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, which is a Dungeons and Dragons IP. And this game is called Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance, but it's a different game. All right. Continue. Okay. So I played the original Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance on PlayStation 2. There, there, there also is a Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2. I never played that one. But the thing is, like, as a single player game, it's like four hours long. And I barely like I don't remember anything about it other than like it's an isometric action RPG. And I literally couldn't tell you a thing about what happened in the story. Like you, you play it in and it's like in and out. You're one year out the other. It, so it, it's probably I'm assuming a lot more fun to play it in co-op being like a four hour game. You can kind of blitz through it pretty easy, pretty quickly, you know. Obviously, anything, anytime you're playing with friends, it's better than that, uh, or it improves things. So this game is still a co-op RPG, and I think that's a big selling point. However, it's not local co-op; it's online co-op, which you know that maybe not too unexpected in the modern world. But you know, I, people I still think do want local experiences as well. Um, but it also is no longer isometric; it is now like this uh, over-the-shoulder third-person type of. Uh, Gameplay style, which may be more appealing to just a broader amount of people. Zoomers. Uh, yeah. By uh, the way, j just to interrupt, I did listen to that. And now I feel old because I have no idea what that noise was. It was just like... <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what I thought was listening to the trailer. What is this noise? Oh, I like the background. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, like, uh, uh, as Adam was talking about earlier, like original PS2 RPG, Dark Alliance, Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance, like that, it, it was, it was memorable at the time because it was novel for like, hey, I can play with friends uh, on this RPG. That, that's cool, you know, but that's, that's its only staying power for me. It's like, I'm actually going to check how long to beat. Like, cause I remember beating it like really quickly. I just want to make sure it was, it was a very fast game. It feels like 
So the uh, thing is, is I, I mentioned this okay, earlier. Okay, I guess, I, I guess I they wanna... say 10 hours, mm. 12 hours. I remember it being, I, I almost remember it being shorter than that. I, but still, it's just like, I don't remember this. Anyway. Watching this trailer on mute, like I mentioned earlier, like I'm, I'm seeing stuff that seems good about it, but it's it's just like so edgy and try hard that there's a lot you got to like kind of push to the side and ignore. And it's like, uh, it, but I think there was a wasteland like, free. It was like that tone. Oh, yeah, that's, that's true. That's, another, that's a good that. point. But it's like it's like some of the taglines like your party, their funeral. It's like, oh, how edgy, like, oh. oof. I can feel. The <laughs> I mean, uh, like, there there are there are gameplay walkthroughs of this. I think I think either IGN and or GameSpot uh, checked it out. So I mean, if the, people can go check out those outlets for. Yeah, we did know, not have a preview uh, on ours. Yeah, so if you don't want the whatever sound it is, uh, they, they go over <laughs> it, and like you can get a better look at like how the game plays. Like I don't know, hope, hope for the best, I guess. And, I'm still like morbidly interested in this, just like. An action like uh, an action Western RPG in third person is actually kind of novel, I think. So I'm interested to see it. I just hope, call I, Brian. the thing is, maybe I'm hoping that Wasteland Three hasn't spoiled me, and it's actually just as trapped, awful, and edgy as the trailers make it seem. So it's what I'll if that's it, like I'll the in-game the OST, dude? What if, what if the whole OST <laughs> in-game is just that crappy, like new metal shit or whatever? Or, I feel like I'm being well, judgmental. I don't uh-oh. listen to a lot of music. <laughs> If you like new metal, <laughs> sign off and let me know. <laughs> I don't even know if that counts as new metal. I don't know what these, these genres are. What is music? Any, that's a great question. But I will <laughs> I will conscript one of you to play through this with me. How about that? Yeah, I'd do it. Why not? If the, it might even be funny <laughs> if the soundtrack is like that. I like how you immediately sounded less interested. You're like, yeah, oh crap, what am I signing up for? Do it. <laughs> Shit. Well, it's June twenty second for PC, PS four, PS five, Xbox One, Xbox Series. So I don't know if they mentioned anything about crossplay or anything, uh, but we'll see. A few other release dates: uh, Disco Elysium, the final cut. Yeah! I think yeah, we talked about this at a briefly last podcast, the one before. How we are th- we are expecting it to come in like just at the end of March. Well, it turns out that it's true. It's coming to PlayStation, PC, and Stadia on March 30th. For the PC version, it's a free upgrade if you own the original game. This is the new. It has like a few new quests. It has full voice acting, which the original game didn't have. So, and George is excited for it. I'm so excited. Like, it, uh, I, the, the, especially it's not my sort of game at all, but like, I just get good vibes from it. I can't wait. It does have an announced Xbox and Switch version. Uh, those are still slated to come this summer at some point. I'll finally play Disco Elysium. Yeah. Disco Elysium is basically a, a simulator to not upset Kim Kitsuragi to get his approval. That's the whole point of the game. This only makes sense. If you play <laughs> he is game. a great character in general, being serious. Kim is amazing. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Xbox releases, we do have Undertale is launching for Xbox on March 16th, which I guess means it has launched on March 16th. <laughs> I'm pulling up an article that was published on the 15th. So Undertale is now available on Xbox. So I've never played this. I actually this. didn't realize it wasn't on Xbox. I just sort of assumed it was. Apparently, I've, I did see a, a viral Twitter post saying that like it has unique uh, informational screens if your Xbox controller disconnects, depending on where you are in the game, which is kind of like, yeah. 
what are the chances you'll ever run into this? But it's just kind of, it's kind of like a show is like the attention to detail. Like it's not just, Oh, we the, the, it, get to get the port out there and goes and just, you know, let it, let it go. Yeah. So we have a release date for Scarlet Nexus. It is coming to consoles and PC on June 25th. So June is quickly filling up with a bunch of different games. I'll have to like take a quick look at Adam's RPG of the year document and see like how these months are shaping up once he updates it. Yeah. Was there anything is, uh, buried in this uh, date announcement that's not clear? Like I see a bunch of pre- I see a bunch of pre-order bonuses. Oh, tell me about the anime. Uh, there's an anime. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they, 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 they just they just announced that. Um, yeah, there there's gonna be an uh, anime adaptation of Scarlet Nexus uh, by Sunrise. Obviously, Sunrise is the big uh, the studio behind mo- most of the Gundam shows and whatnot. So this is interesting. The last time that Bandai Namco has really given this push is for God Eater because God Eater uh, actually got an anime adaptation um, also to promote the God Eater Resurrection remake, and that was coming out or already out and whatnot so this is interesting for them to give this uh entirely brand new ip like such a big push media wise um so that's that, i'm kind of interested in this game uh, he, uh ever since they showed off that uh, tgs 2020 gameplay stuff and i don't know i'm kind of looking forward to it i i hope it's i hope it's good it seems it seems like i'd like it uh definitely but, it's I mean, always cool to see new ideas that aren't an existing franchise, not a sequel, not a reimagining, not a reboot, just something like new and different, especially with yeah. some of the philosophies they had with like the monster design that Adam talked about, how they brought someone outside of the gaming space to do that. So, yeah. And and they showed off like a, they announced this uh, release date with like a new trailer f- featuring uh, Kasane, one of the other main characters like the uh, for the game. And then like Dual a protagonist, right? Yeah. They showed off like her like allies. I forgot they have like a terminology for that. So there's like a lot of cool stuff they showed off in that trailer, and it's finally it's finally good that they finally put a date to this game. This this game feels like it's been, even though it's only been announced since like what last year, I think, or maybe last even, May. Last May, so. yeah. Like it feels like this it game is, has been like <laughs> around forever. It is kind of funny that um this game was announced like after Tales of Arise from Bandai Namco, and it'll release before it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> it sounds like this was like I, I saw. I interviewed the the producer and director of the game, and then they've done several other interviews and other things. It sounds like this game has actually like been in the works for quite a while, and they sort of just sat on it before they announced it. So it's it uh, it's probably the opposite sort of like approach than like Tales of Arise, which was probably announced. I'm, I'm assuming or announced earlier into its development than Scarlet Nexus was. Well, it's like, also the same philosophy enough. supposedly Pompey 16 had, where they waited until they knew yeah. they had stuff to show in engine and gameplay. So, if if more studios do that, I'm all for it. The only problem is with that is that some people say like, "I bet you that we'll get like a November release that's announced in June." Like people just kind of like bank on that now. Yeah, when they. The thing is, though, so I mean, I've, I've already se- I've already seen murmurs that like Starfield is going to be re- re- reinvailed like this summer and it's going to release this year. Like, well, I guess. And then the whole the precedent for the, the the precedent for that is that that's what they did with Fallout, Fallout. Four. And I guess like you're you're not wrong, but this just seems a little bit flimsy. Maybe it's true. I could hope it's true. That was back when they did that Fallout. That was like a that was a moment. We have Man Eater is releasing for Nintendo Switch on May twenty fifth. 
Uh, James, you recently played through Maneater, right? No way in hell that's going to run well on Switch. No <laughs> way in hell. It it just it did not run well on PS5. The port had issues. I had several crashes. There was like so, there was this one freaking cave, one freaking cave that like until I restarted the entire PS5, it would just constantly not load into that cave if I fast traveled to it. It was just not a great time. I finished it. I got the platinum trophy and like everyone in this chat, I think can test that as soon as I finished that, I immediately deleted it off my uh, SSD. <laughs> well, you were just playing it because it was a, a PS plus title, right? Yeah. So it, it is kind of a switch. Go ahead. Do not, do not play it. Do not play, play it on Switch. I, I mean, unless there's a miracle, just if you're going to play it, if you got it on PS5, sure, play it on PS5. Otherwise, just play it on PC. Trust it's gonna me. Be a, it's going to be a, b- a big day for May 25th for Switch owners. You have uh, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne and Maneater. <laughs> Maneater. <laughs> and Biomutant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Biomutant. Dang. Oh, damn. The month, summer months are really starting to get packed. Even though I don't know if putting Maneater in that conversation is great <laughs> <laughs> evidence for that. Yeah, also, I mean, May is not just, summer. How, how dare you? Uh, it's warm by May. It's <laughs> practically summer. It's hot. It may, may, maybe not in the UK. I don't know what U, U, UK weather is like. Yeah, it's pretty much like that. But uh, I, I, I feel like we just dunked on Maneater, but like our review on it was fairly positive. It's like some, and even James, when he was streaming it to us in our staff chat, had some dumb fun with it. So it's a dumb fun RPG where he plays a shark. So, you know, go shark. nuts. Shark PG. <laughs> Their words not Here, Here's where uh, we make George sad. Uh, Gotham Knights is delayed. Oh, no. I don't want to talk about it. Move on. <laughs> okay. Like I saw, look, look, that's going to be the oh. running theme of the year, right? Like, uh, no game actually exists until, like, it's running in front of us on our home systems. Because now that we're, like, feeling like, you know, obviously last year, games still came out, like, at a decent clip, but that was because those projects were already running, like, fairly well. Now that we're on the on the other side of, like, we're well into this uh, pandemic situation and a lot of uh, projects that, like, started early in development as this whole thing was you know, unfolding, now they're really feeling the effects of like, oh, th- th- this has really like pushed back timelines a lot, the development yeah. timelines. So it's, it's understandable. I, I think I even said this when Hogwarts got delayed. I was like, well, as long as they release Gotham Knights, but in my head, I was like, we haven't, we've seen this game once and that was a year ago. And, you know, if I, I always say this, um, if you think about stuff like marketing, they want to have a good marketing push, especially something as big as like a, a Batman property. So like they have to have that marketing time and to assume like, Oh no, they have like too much marketing or something like this. No, you got to give, you got to space it out. Um, so I, I saw this coming. I think we all did. Uh, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a very simple message on their Twitter page where they're just saying, you're giving the game more time to deliver the best possible experience for players. Thank you to our amazing fans for your tremendous support of Gotham Knights. We look forward to showcasing more of the game in the coming months. So, very kind of vanilla, I mean, not a lot of details. I'm going to mention it until it's out. So, and even when it's out. So, I'm sorry, guys, but you, you've just got like another year and a half of me jokingly saying about every podcast. Now, now we stated this when this game was announced, but for people who might just listen to podcasts more sporadically, 
it's easy to put this game in the same bucket as Marvel's Avengers. It sounds like that, but they've kind of clearly tried to state that that's not this. This isn't that sort of game. They've really tried to, at least so far, just push this as a cooperative Batman themed RPG, right? Yeah. So yeah, basically, player, right? what they've been arguing is that just like it's just like a a not a service game. It's just you know an open world RPG in the Batman universe, but it has co op <laughs> like two. But you can play it single player. Well, I mean, so how about this? If I if I, yet, cons- if I conscript George to play Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance, then I will owe him my time for Gotham Knights. Yeah, I would that? love that. That'd be the coolest. Oh, yeah, this, this is a weird death pack that you guys are making. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, contact in blood. All right, uh, let's see. We already talked about Dragon Quest Eleven S is coming to Stadia or is on Stadia. It's a great game. We've given it a 10 out of 10 three times from three different writers. Coming to Xbox Game Pass, I believe most of these games are coming out on March 24th, just in a few days. We've got a surprising slew of RPGs coming to Microsoft's service. So some of these were kind of expected, like Yakuza 6. Some of these are unexpected that we already talked about, like Nier Automata, Pillars of Eternity Deadfire, which is a great game that you should play. But then surprisingly... Octopath Traveler is coming to Xbox Game Pass, both PC and console, which means that it is getting a Xbox console port, which is kind of like one of those, like, you know, a free wish that we didn't even wish for. Like, you know, we weren't (laughs) expecting it. Why not? It's a pretty good game, not without its faults. Uh, It'll be available on Game Pass, even if you don't have a PC. So if you haven't played it on Switch or Steam, now it's available to more people, which I think is always a cool thing to celebrate. Yeah, I thought so this there. was kind of interesting. Like when they said Octopath was coming to Game Pass, I was thinking it was sort of like, like Disgaea Four, where it's like, oh, that's kind of you don't really attribute Disgaea to Xbox, but it's on Disgaea Four is on PC, so I guess you can get it through like Microsoft Store now on PC. So like, I, I assumed Octopath would be the same, but no, it's actually coming out on, on Xbox consoles too. So it is just literally an Xbox port, just kind of announced in this through a Game Pass lens. So that's interesting. So there, George. More games for you to play on your new console. Uh, you've, you've got all these RPGs. Already played on got, Switch. Uh, shush! Don't don't sweat the details. Look, uh, play. Uh, just, look, it's gonna play in 4K, and then you have to wait for the FPS boost, and then you're good to go. So that does make you wonder, like Project Triangle Strategy, how long is it going to be Switch exclusive, or is it going to show up on PC and then Xbox, and then eventually the PlayStation? Is that like the next, obviously, the next landing point for these games? That's the triangle That's strategy it. for it. <laughs> uh, I still can't believe what it's called for now. Uh, That's, just get used to it. You, look, day. you set it up. I'm sorry. You set it up. Uh, I, I teed that up for you good. I'm sorry. This is my fault. <laughs> I brought this on us. <laughs> All right. And then there's a final note here, scribbled in the margins, that George threw in here about DBZ Kakarot's future Trunks DLC, which we talked about last week or, or the week before. Uh, George, tell me about your thoughts on future trunks uh yeah so i was initially kind of like uninterested in this future trunks thing just because i i want like new dragon ball content um in just generally like i'd rather see super stuff i'd rather see like tournament of power uh but i do like this arc and then someone put on twitter the render image of um future gohan in this dlc and i don't think we've seen like a screenshot of him like this like i don't know maybe if there is one out there but it's the first time i've seen it and he's actually got his arm removed um, and that like might seem minor. People are like, okay, whatever. What's that about? But that's actually like 
First time that's been in a Dragon Ball game since Dragon Ball Sagas, and that was the only time it was ever in it. Basically, like the whole reason behind that is that it's like a it's a censorship thing, I believe. And then for games like Xenoverse and uh, I think the one on PSP was Shin Budokai, they always like they either revive him magically and he's like, oh no, I'm I'm alive again, you know, like that means both my arms back, or they just make him never use his arm, so he just uses like one arm and and his legs, but like his arm's still there, it just never moves. Um, so like it, it's a really minor detail, but I was just like, oh my god, like that's that's really cool, and it it goes on to what I what I did like about Kakarot is like it really does feel like a like quite a complete Dragon Ball experience, and like down to the little nitty gritty details, and then like even for me, I saw that and I instantly like went on a little like went on a little search. I was like, okay, let's go let's go back and learn all about future Gohan all over again. So I don't know. I just thought it was worth bringing up for like any massive Dragon Ball fans. No, out there. it like, is interesting. Like maybe maybe this is just the way I think of things, but like. This is, this is such like a hotbed topic where I just bring up the word censorship and everyone has their immediate like, you know, inclination of what they think about there. But I think of like very specific things like apparently in China, like showing skeletons is taboo. And in some places showing like the removed arms, like ligaments is taboo. It's just it's just interesting. Like I basically I do not envy producers who have to create a global product and they have to think about these things constantly. And like this is just one of those things like did they have to make any concessions to releasing this game in certain territories with this character's arm removed probably and that would be an interesting thing i'd love to like we're talking about Rido basically for political reasons uh, another example right there Korea, yeah. Uh, in china i wonder i wonder if um i was reading up on the disco elysium because that got uh oh right did, it's that was refused classification in australia similar and i was i was uh, looking into that, and apparently the reason why it wasn't originally is because it was like a, a digital release only, so they didn't really like need to pass it through certification. So I wonder yeah, PC if PC releases do not have to be certified. Or I, I wonder if it's staying like DLC, so maybe they can get away with a little bit more. Like, oh, his arms off, and because it's a DLC pack, like, oh, maybe they won't even care that much. I don't know. It's speculation. Like, maybe he won't even show up in gameplay. Maybe he'll have his arm removed in a cutscene, and then you never see him outside of that. Maybe I'm looking into it, but I, I just thought it was worth mentioning. Paying twenty five dollars to armless DLC. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to have armless Gohan, you better pay for it. <laughs> I think. Like, are you are you planning on playing the DLC? I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on it. I was. I've always said that when the final. DLC for um, Kakarot comes out, I would definitely check that one out because I assumed it'd be something new. Um, but now, on the basis of you know that alone, I think I think I should check it out. Uh, I did really like Kakarot. It's just the DLC so far have been battles and new power ups that just you know whoever. Um, I think I I don't know. I'm I have heard good universe. stuff. I have heard good stuff about the current manga uh progression so oh, yeah. it'd, be inter- yeah. it'd be interesting to see if that shows up in either an anime or a uh or game adaptation at some point i'm sure it's already in like some of the mobile like sparking i forget the titles but some of the uh some of the mobile projects oh, that are just kind of like for yeah dokan battle some of the some like the forever projects that just constantly add everything from like even like even like all of like the fan fictiony stuff like super saiyan napa or whatever but well, i think um all the manga stuff because i've been sort of Keep an eye on it. I know we're going on a tangent here, but I I don't think that stuff's ever going to see unless they do an official like oh my god like like they do super. Where it's like no 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 this is like this is backed by everyone. This is real. This is canon. I don't think they'll ever 
uh, put that into games or anything, which is a shame because some of it's actually quite interesting. I think the whole argument of well, we, we know as long as it has an anime, it can get into a game. We still see GT <laughs> yeah, stuff. True. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah. Well, the final character in uh, Dragon Ball Z Fighters. Code or Dragon. Yeah. yeah. I have a really important comment. Super important, like incredibly <laughs> insightful comment okay. coming right now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I think the most interesting part of this like Trunks storyline that's getting DLC is that the androids use handguns. They use handguns. That's in this- yeah, in the movie or in the sh- in the OVA or whatever OVA. They yeah, they have like guns. Like, oh okay. yeah. <laughs> All right, I just thought that was always weird. Like you can shoot energy bullets, but you have guns. Okay. I mean, I mean I, they probably it, won't have guns in the game, but <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was like, if they've if they've got guns and Armus Gohan, like, is this is this just like mature Dragon Ball? I highly <laughs> highly doubt they'll have guns in the game, but they yeah. just have guns in the anime, and I just that always stuck out as like why. <laughs> anyway. That that, that, the, the, yeah, that just reminds me of like the the one exception to Smash they ever made for guns was like Joker. <laughs> oh yeah, you press press this for gun. It's like huh? <laughs> all right, I guess. All right, any other final comments? No. All right, so that covers us for news. So kind of a hodgepodge week. A lot of interesting topics. A lot of cool games that we've been playing. Uh, Forspoken looks really neat. Shin Megami Tensei, of course, is at the top of our wanted list for when it releases in May. We're here every week with the TetraCast. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, even on YouTube and a few other places like iTunes. You can visit our website at rpgsite.net where you can read all the stuff about Fantasian and all the other things we talked about. Take a look at those diorama pictures. They are amazing. Uh, We have a Discord channel. If you hit the link at the top of our page, you can go to that and chat about your favorite games uh, with whoever you want. We do have a YouTube channel as well at RPG Site Net. And you can follow us on Twitter at RPG Site, where we post all of our news as well as the anniversaries of major RPGs that we're really fond of. Until next week, take care, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next time. Hey, guys.